0: WWF, what the world is
1: watching.
2: All right, thanks, me, Gene, for that excellent introduction, of course. All right, we are back. It's a big one, WrestleMania 4. Before we get rocking and rolling here, I just want to acknowledge and thank the 20 people here on this podcast. We have 20 contributors giving their voice and opinions here on WrestleMania 4. They all turned them in on a timely manner, and it was all thrown together. So, again, thank you for all your work, and it is greatly appreciated here on The No-So. All right, enough about that. Let's get into WrestleMania 4. Michael Cook, tell us about the landscape for the Trump Plaza. Have a good show, boys and yeah, girls.
3: Hello, Cronoso listeners. I am talking to you today about WrestleMania 4, what the world is watching. At the current state of the WWF, there is no WWF champion because the great Andre the Giant beat Hulk Hogan, no matter what anyone says, he would have been a great champion. And then he proceeded to hand off the championship to the Million Dollar Man. But hey, in the future, if Eric Bischoff can just hand over a title and just say, here you are, Triple H, you're the title holder, well then, Ted DiBiase was my WWF Heavyweight Champion. Also, your Tag Team Champion, Force, and the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. This is being held at what they considered Trump Plaza. It had an attendance of $19,199 and a $1.4 million gate. It was a 6.5 buy rate, but if you look at it in comparison to the last WrestleMania, it's a big difference. But the Trump Plaza is actually known as Boardwalk Hall. It was built in 1926 and it opened in 1929. In 1987, it became the National Lambard. It contains the world's largest musical instrument, a pipe organ. It generally holds 10,500 for hockey, 14,774 for concerts. What Boardwalk Hall is most famous for is probably the hosting of the Miss America pageant, from 1940 to 2006, and again in 2013 to 2019. It hosted it. 1964, Democrat National Convention, and then the very next weekend, the Beatles during their first U.S. tour. Many luminaries, such as Judy Garland, Rolling Stones, Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, Madonna, The Who, and many, many others, have performed here. In 2003, Justin Timberlake and or Spe- er, Christine Aguilera was supposed to perform, but the stage collapsed. Oh no, the world just missed out on that. Also, for sporting events, Mike Tyson was a common boxer here. He held four of his seven title defenses here, including the great TKO of Larry Holmes, and the most famous one of them all, 91 Seconds of Knocking Out Michael Spinks. It also was the home of Holyfield versus Foreman, for their second match together, and then it also held the first indoor football game in the 30s. 1964, it was home of the Liberty Bowl. Also, it has held many events. Soccer. There was also a... Oh, for football, NCAA, there was the Boardwalk Bowl. It has held indoor and arena football. It has held basketball, NCAA, and even the NBA. 1949, it was an exhibition game um, with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins. But at the same time, it was a doubleheader for the Syracuse Nationals and the Philadelphia Warriors of the NBA. It also has held different hockey events 1995 the hall was used for monica sellis's return to tennis after she had been stabbed in 1993 it has held the women's tennis fed cup obviously it is holding this event in 1998 wrestlemania 4 and it holds it next year also has although bob uecker does screw up and call it the convention center well enough about the home of this wrestlemania boardwalk hall we hope that you enjoy the show.
4: Cardoso, what's up? JT here with my boy Keithy. Keithy, how you doing? Good. How are you, JT? Good. You know, when you proposed this option to me when we were together recently to talk WrestleMania Four to the stupidest matches on the card, how could I how could I turn it down? So you're going to get a double dose of JT and Keithy here on this Cronoso. <laughs> so this is your first one, and uh, we're kicking it off by talking Battle Royal,
5: mm-hmm. the opening
4: 20-man Battle Royal, first match on the card. Mm-hmm. Not the first Battle Royal in WrestleMania history though, Keith.
5: No, that is true. We had the phenomenal NFL superstars versus the WWF superstars live in the Chicago. Rosemont Horizon, right? Yeah, Chicago with uh, Andre the Giant. He is the Giant winning that one. So I Andre like that- not in I'm not like, in that battle royal. And I feel like that battle royal gets overlooked a little bit, honestly, because I, I feel like it's been
4: talked about so historically by WDF with the football guys in it and this yeah. and that. And yeah. um, But it's actually a really good battle royal.
5: a <laughs> like, great I, battle royal. Yeah, I, I actually, I watched it underrated. recently Yeah, and it was, it was a great battle royal. I mean, you had like Refrigerator Perry coming off of the Super Bowl win. I mean... You know that was a and that was a big deal like him and uh, Big John Stud kind of mixing mm-hmm. it up a little bit so you yeah, know, I think that's a great it is an overlooked battle royal. Uh, I kind of wish that they would bring back Battle Royals on the WrestleMania show. <laughs> well,
4: they kind of did it on the pre-show
5: for a while yeah uh, they, well they
4: do the Andre. So yeah. Well, they had the last maybe.
5: two years, though. I think it's been on SmackDown, which is kind yeah, of interesting. depressing. True. So.
4: Uh, all right. So we have Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura in the booth for this, as usual. But they're actually joined by Bob Uecker in his second straight WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that definitely adds to this match quite a bit with him and his jokes and his one-liners. Uh, let's run through the participants real quick. We have Bad News Brown. Mm-hmm. We have the Bolsheviks, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zhukov. Mm-hmm. We have the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. The Killer mm-hmm. Bees, mm-hmm. B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel. Dangerous Danny Davis, George the Animal Steel, King Harley Race, Hillbilly Jim, Jacques and Ramon, the Rougeau Brothers, the Young Stallions, Paul Roma and Jim Powers, Junkyard Dog, Ken Patera, Ron Bass, Sam Houston, and Sika. Mm. And, and then, of course, uh, yeah, we named her. Okay, so that, that's your field. This feels like the majority of this field is Tapping. like, uh, well, bats, <laughs> but also like end of life yeah, <laughs> like right. there's a lot of guys in here that are
6: mm-hmm.
4: nearing the end of their run they're yeah. kind of iconic early federation era guys mm-hmm. but like most of these dudes are gone by like 89
5: i know a lot of people have said that like 87 88 is like the turning point from like the from like I, dare i say the the rock and roll rock and wrestling or even the mm-hmm. wwf into the into the, what we end up knowing as the golden age and like you said, this has everybody that's in that era that's gone. I mean, like you said, within a year. I mean, pff, not not even – well, no, most of these – I think most of these people hang around through all of 88. So, yeah, but they're all gone by 89. I would say by 89, they're pretty much
4: done. Like these are guys that are in their final months yeah. with the company. I mean, if you look at it, like uh, the Bolsheviks are around for a while, but they're pretty much by 89, just like jobbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the Killer Bees are just about done mm-hmm. here. Danny Davis is just about done.
5: Seek is gone.
4: Steel is gone. Seek is gone. Ron Bass is like gone after, you know,
5: yeah,
4: he's he's gone by the, by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Well, he's there very early. eighty He's gone in January. Patera is almost done. JYD is done. Sam Houston's done. The stallions Mm -hmm. are done as a team. Mm -hmm. Um, Race, you know, not that they intended it to be, but he's just about done because he gets busted through the table soon. And Mm -hmm. then he pops back up in early 89. Then he's gone. So like, I, that's that's most of the field, right? That's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty much, much. Yeah. on ice after this. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I always did like the match, like as an opener. Euchre, I think, adds a ton to it for sure.
5: Yeah, Euchre saying that it's the it looked like the final cut day of cut down day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> i love too when he says vince this man called me to be part of the
4: show and there you could you could feel him cringing in the back yeah, that yeah. i yeah. said vince is the one that called him um a lot of baseball jokes he talks a lot about vanna white throughout all
5: this oh, you know, I, I wrote down i said he had four vanna white jokes and he had be- i think he had like four baseball jokes he had he talked about like billy martin being a manager in the back <laughs> like you know what was great was jesse kept trying to throw the baseball jokes at him and you could tell that like you can tell that Euchre was just like, we're uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> gonna talk about Vanna. Um, I think the best, the best Vanna joke is when is when Jesse says, huh, you know, uh, Vanna's got great taste. She must be less filling too." <laughs> yeah, was good. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but, well, uh, and of course, yeah. referencing Miller Lite, which was uh, Euchre's beer yeah, that he drink promoted. of choice. <laughs> yeah, well, and promoted. Um, yeah. I think the other big memorable, well, we have two big memorable parts of this match, right? One is the ending. We'll get to that. Yeah. I think the other is that George Steele never gets in the ring. I know. Um, uh,
5: yeah. and, and they're confused about it, too, right? Like, <laughs> Jess is like, I don't
4: think he ever got in the ring. And he's like, no, I think he went in and went over the top. Like yeah, Gorilla, like,
5: gorilla, yeah. gorilla cl- completely missed the boat on that. Like, no, he never went in the ring. <laughs> right. So I'm guessing is he just, he can't bump at this point? Is that the problem? Uh, well, you know, it's funny because I know, like, on the I think it's on a Saturday night's main event after this. He has that horrible promo where he's talking about Neidhart, and he and and of course he he kind of helps Neidhart f- fall over the top rope in this from the outside. So I mean, he wrestled a few more matches after this, but maybe he can to do a few. Yeah, maybe he can't do the over the top bump or something, you know? Yeah, then why have this? Have him at ringside as like a guest?
4: I mean, it's George Fucking Steele, right? You could have him be something goofy, like <laughs> have, have him on the, the mic, or, or just like the guest uh, uh, timekeeper, George Animal Steele, the you legend. Said- yeah, like I mean whatever. Like do that yeah. and yeah. then have him pull Anvil out. Like him yeah. never getting in the ring and never getting eliminated is kind of stupid. I'm sure yeah. they had another bum that could have thrown in there to take his place.
5: Uh oh geez, I don't know, maybe. There had to be someone lingering. <laughs> there around. had to be, you know. Scott Casey, maybe. Yeah, it's Scott Casey had to be had to be <laughs> flown in somewhere. Sam Sam Houston, the the first one thrown out. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh,
4: yeah, he's just not, he's got nothing by this point. Yeah, uh, and they even
5: comment they're like, Sam Houston's too light to be in a battle royal. Like, because <laughs> then the best is like the next one that goes out is Sika. and then and as soon as Jesse says that, Gorilla goes, Oh, well, Seeka's pretty heavy, and he gets thrown out. So, <laughs> and, and then right after they, they get steel, pulls out Anvil. Yep, uh, the bees and Ray Rougeau go
4: out. Yeah, it's a lot of meandering here. It's just kind of mm-hmm. It's almost like they use it to kind of set the feel of the show. Like, you were looking at Trump Plaza. You're trying to take it all in. You're just cracking jokes. We got a big night ahead. I like the concept of doing this on this card because you're trying to get everyone in. You get this big tournament that's like reusing a lot of guys. So I get trying to get these dudes on the
7: show.
5: Yeah, but I mean, I also liked it, though, because I felt like it wasn't a boring battle royal. I mean, it's it's not a good battle royal, but it's not boring. No, it's not a good battle royal because there's no big, big names in it, Right. you know, because it's like you said, it's it's the dredge it's the dredges of like the mid card almost right. and um but i mean i don't know i didn't think i didn't hate it i mean hillbilly jim one of the favorites i mean that's like one of my fa- that's what no pun intended that's one of my favorite lines is just <laughs> hillbilly jim one of the favorites it's like one of the favorite what like well, it favorite kind is got this favorite, match i guess <laughs> that's what you look at Favorites it. in this match favorite yeah. here and and when he gets eliminated yuka's like he was my pick and i'm like <laughs> well no shit you picked the loser what, I, what can i tell you they uh yeah
4: Bob. bass goes out next him and steel are fighting yeah he's arguing the an- animal was never in the ring yeah uh that's when hillbilly goes out yep roma throws out davis yep. powers is out Patera <laughs> throws out both bolsheviks and they pull him out
5: there's america and then Jeff it goes like, america there <laughs> goes <laughs> America. Yeah. then at some uh, point gorilla said somebody went out and it was like i think jacques Rougeau almost went out but then he was like oh somebody went out and he never said who it was because <laughs> nobody actually went out. And no one cares. <laughs> uh, so we get to, after Jacques does go, we get the
4: final five. Yep. It's Harley, Bad News, Roma, mm-hmm. JYD, and, and Bret Hart are the mm-hmm. final five. Harley takes his, he's going to get that bump in. Oh. takes the usual. bump.
5: It's the greatest Harley Race bump. <laughs> yeah, it's
4: like the high spot of the match. Usually. Yeah, full
5: ass over tea kettle. I love yeah. it. Only yeah. Harley Race and Savage were like the only two that had the balls to do that bump. Roma goes next and that leaves J.Y.D. and Bad News doubling. I mean um,
4: Brett and Bad News doubling up on J.Y.D. Yep. That backfires. J.Y.D. Kind of fights back but they regroup. They throw J.Y.D. out and then we get the, the big double cross as Bad News and Brett decide to share the winnings. Um, mm-hmm. They do the little double high 10, low 10. They put the trophy, the giant trophy in the ring but Bad News turns on Brett, hits him with the ghetto blaster, throws him out Brett comes back in, destroys the trophy yep. And uh, leaves Bad News laying So I, I think overall It's like a pretty
5: basic battle royal Like you said though, it's it's not boring, it moves well um, I, I felt that this was I felt that there was that segment where Both Brett and Bad News were on the ground And JYD's like head headbutting him Yes And I felt like that's the fastest JYD had been since like <laughs> 1982
4: Sniffing around for a bag of COVID. Yeah. And then
5: the, uh, the Stampede Alumni Alliance only lasted two minutes
4: Yes not long.
5: <laughs> I timed it. I was like, it was only two minutes long. And uh yeah, yeah. but,
4: but I, the one, my one issue with this is I feel like no one stood out. Like no one really looked good. No, I guess besides bad news. Cause he looks smart for double crossing. Brent looks like an idiot. Maybe and George then a winder. like this is meant to kick off his face. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in there like being a sore loser, destroying the trophy and attacking bad news from behind. Like it, it kind of made him look like a bitch,
5: like a typical face.
4: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Um, so that to me, like again, no one really,
5: besides Euchre, like, I feel like no one really benefited from being no. in a match. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, this was it. it like, besides I, the paycheck. Yeah, this was the paycheck. This was just a. It was an opportunity for get for guys to get the. This is back when they really wanted guys to get WrestleMania money, you right. know, and and that was what it was. It was a favor to all the guys that weren't going to be in the tournament and. And I think it starts to show match. well,
4: because again, it lets you get grounded and not yeah. right into the tournament, right? Like yeah. if they would have started with DiBiase and Andre coming out and dug in, like, yeah. I feel like it almost would have been a little, not like you're almost going too quickly into it. Right. Um So I kind of mm-hmm. like that they do use this to level set you and it's not long. I mean, it's,
5: no, it's nine minutes. If that yeah. nine minutes, yeah. long, So they don't, think, they don't yeah. drag it out. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: so, yeah, I mean, all in, it's fine. I, I think. Yeah, the trophy <laughs> trophy's pretty cool uh, looking. It's it's a pretty trophy is actually
5: pretty pretty cool trophy, actually. I did like the trophy. Uh, I thought that was funny. Brett becomes a face, Anvil's still a heel. So it's like that the Har Foundation's like that Luger Sting team and like Well yeah, but he's
4: not even he doesn't even really go face, right? They kind of feud as like two heels, bad news and Brett for a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. And then they realize that they're not ready. This is like the first of three where they're like about to split the hearts and don't do it. Um, mm. They kind of wrestle solo through much of the summer yeah. of '88, and then they're back together by SummerSlam.
5: Yeah. But it's um, so all they, in. I, yeah. They gotcha. did make a comment about bad, like the winner of this, like bad news is going to be in line for some title shots, which did come later True. on in the year. So that was cool. And then I love when like Euchre's like, I got to get up and go. And he gets up and <laughs> you see him, and man, his tan is like mean gene level. Like, I good know. Lord. I kind of wish he stayed around. Um, in yeah, the whole show? I remember yeah, being kind
4: of, when I yeah. rented this for the first time, I was like, oh man, he's leaving, because I really enjoyed him
5: on Yeah, because but... I mean, aside from the Andre get your foot off of me, he really doesn't do much. No. Like, I know he runs around looking for Van All, like, that's like, that's what they paid him right. for. I mean, you know they had to pay him a lot.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh
5: Anyway, so I want a two on this, I guess, <laughs> if, we're, if we're given a grade. I mean, a real basic
4: standard battle royal. We like the concept and the energy more than the match. Yeah. All right, two's, a two is solid.
5: That's a All solid right. two.
4: Yeah. Alright, so that'll do it for me and you here. Well, we'll be back later. Like we said, it's a, it's a rare double dip here on the Cronoso yeah. for me and you. And uh, boy, gonna... what a doozy we have <laughs> later on. We do, but well, let's throw it off uh, to the kickoff of the tournament and we'll be back in a little bit.
8: Hello, Cronoso Monthly. I am Ryan Everett and I'm going to be running down all the Bob Buecher segments at WrestleMania 4. Real quick who Bob Bucher is if you don't not familiar with him. He was a baseball player for the Milwaukee Braves at the time. He's from Milwaukee, so he was a local product. He wasn't very good. A very mediocre journeyman player. And he, after five years in Major League, he ended his career hitting exactly 200, so not great. Uh, catcher, but played for five years and then he signed on in 1971 with the Milwaukee Brewers to do radio, and he has been doing that for the last 52 years now. So he is very entrenched at, in that position. He um, he after while doing that, he also got to do a lot of national games in the 80s and 90s. So he became well well known then. Throughout the country, uh, appeared on The Tonight Show a lot with Johnny Carson, who's doing kind of joking about his career, and he was always very open, poking fun at himself. Uh, In 1985, he was in; he started uh, acting as the dad in the Mr. Belvedere, which was on for five years, surprisingly. And in here at WrestleMania Four, he is the first two-time. Uh, celebrity well outside of mr t of course but the first celebrity to appear two times as he was so good at wrestlemania 3 that they decided to bring him back and he starts the show with gorilla and jesse in the for calling the battle royal but and he leaves though because he wants to see vanna white Welcome to So Monthly. This is Tim
9: Slomka. I'm covering WrestleMania 4 and the start of the tournament. We get Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Jim Duggan to kick us off here at the tournament. But before we do that, we get Robin Leach coming out and explaining whereas, uh, tournament rules, uh, and explaining why the tournament is vacant. Really weird match to start off as far as that both men have no music. Uh, but I, I actually think for a crowd that gets... Uh, crapped out a lot, especially at WrestleMania 5 more so than 4. Uh, This crowd is all in for Duggan. So the problem is with no music, the crowd doesn't really know and can't see without video screens who's coming down the aisle until they're about halfway in. Um, The lack of, you know, music really leads to when their name announced, though, the booze come until then. So um, we get Duggan out first and you know, as Gorilla Monsoon does his ho-yo's uh, as he's coming down. Definitely gets the crowd definitely added into it. Ted DiBiase, I feel like, looks so much younger in this than the new generation here that I'm doing, you know, seven years later. Kind of has a swaggering walk with him as he comes down with Virgil in the all-white uh, outfit. Uh, since Virgil is in the all-white as well. It's a, it's a great look for DiBiase with a little bit of purple. Uh, and Andre the Andre Giant actually comes out on a surprise with DiBiase and he actually comes out in a suit versus wrestling singlet, which I think gives a good look to him versus his uh, singlet. Uh, you know, as this match starts off, only five minute match to start off the tournament. Uh, the crowd is definitely into this, so as like I mentioned, the crowd definitely gets lost a little bit of WrestleMania Four, but I actually think they're really good for this match. I actually hate this ref. I tried looking what his name is, but this this ref is just o- over the top. He's got this crazy comb over, maybe looking at his uh, boy Donald Trump in the front row, trying to do a similar comb over. But he's just so over the top and so loud throughout the match, and kind of distracting at times uh, throughout the match as he does at WrestleMania Four. I really love, as this match starts, Jesse Ventura lining up the tournament and announcing that only winners advance, announcing the short time limits. That mentions that it's so important uh, that you go for the win first, you know, not just a a draw won't do you any good. So you got to go for the win. This is, this is great. I love too, that he does it in the first match, uh, versus bringing all this stuff up uh, during the, uh, Jake, the Roberts and, um, ravishing Rick mood match, which is a, sh- a trope of wrestling. Anytime they mention the time limit means it's a time limit to draw. I love, they bring it up early. Uh, it, it gorilla monsoon again, starts the, the match off with the saying, oh, oh, here's a bunch of yo's versus ho's. Um, uh, I love the start of the match as well. Gorilla and Jesse are just right on fire to begin this pay-per-view. Talk about how Duggan's the brawler. You're not going to see many wrestling moves. But he also says that Duggan is great uh, in his quickness and his brawling style. So he doesn't just crap on the guy. Uh, And then when he does do a wrestling move, Jesse gives him a lot of credit. So love the back and forth that Jesse and Gorilla bring about you know, kind of talking up the wrestlers, but not as scientific as maybe someone Jim, Jim Ross would do not saying that what Jim Ross does is wrong, but I think they give a good balance between that. Um, there's a, there's a great move here by Duggan as well that, uh, DiBiase goes for an elbow drop off the top rope. Duggan catches him in the stomach, and DiBiase does a a flip. Again, this just looks like a way different DiBiase than what I'm used to seeing in the new generation era of kind of broken back, (laughs) drug-abattled, fat-guts DiBiase. I really like his stance. So uh, we get – they really talk up as well the, the. the three-point stance from Duggan. So, you know, really establishing Duggan as a you know, kind of favored in this, the way they paint the match is definitely Duggan's a favorite that if he hits the three-point stance, there's no chance. Dibiase is going to advance. Uh, Duggan kicks over with about four minutes into the match and really gets on a roll. The crowd definitely, definitely cheering big for Duggan. Duggan then goes for the three-point stance, but kind of a creative move. He kind of goes rather than the corner where he usually does his three-point stance. He goes kind of the middle of the ring where Andre the giant is. Andre giant pulls his leg Duggan goes to goes around to, to attack him, and DBS, he does a nice knee to the back, and then a fist to the face uh, to get the the three the three counts. Uh, I I love too that the way that. Um, the way that uh, the replay at least does that they show Andre doing it. The only problem I have in the replay is that they don't show Audrey, whether he punched him or not. Gorilla and Jesse kind of argue that for a while. Uh, but anyways, Duggan then gets a two by four as Dibiase celebrates, uh, kind of clears out the ring. The, the ref does a good job of kind of blocking Duggan just, just in his pathway to not let Duggan kind of chase after Dibiase. or kind of setting up Dibiase to win this whole thing and taking him out early is definitely not something you want to do to a, a heel in this type of match. Uh so I, I really like that job by the ref, even though I talked bad about him in the match, he kind of did a good job of, of kind of stalling, dogging it off that, you know, he wasn't able to get the debiase. It also doesn't look silly. and just ha- hang it out on the ring. So like, like that finish, uh, so fun little match to begin, maybe the best match of, uh, you know, in-ring style, which is rare to say for Jim Duggan of WrestleMania four, but a fun match, kind of an upset, right? If you just thought D- Duggan winning, but the moment Doug DiBiase comes out with, with Andre the Giant, he was kind of a lock in to win it, uh, but a fun little match to start off. I think Edric's music again would have helped this out. Crowd was definitely hot for it and a good start to WrestleMania four. I hope everyone else in Cronosa Monthly could keep. Picking me up with uh, some other good mashes, but uh, a fun start after the Battle royal t- to the tournament. And I uh, love, again, Jesse, uh, Robin Leach, and, and Grilla all do a great job of just building up the momentous occasion of this tournament. Um, so after uh, after this match, we quickly go off to Mean Gene and to Brother Brudeye's package. So again, my name is Tim Slopka. I'm here every month on Cronoso Monthly. Um, I-, I also do every other Tuesday in North South Connection. The new, genera- uh, new generation podcast, uh, definitely new gen on a mission, we call it. Uh, we're doing from Brennan Sean, Survivor Series 92, Brennan Sean, Survivor Series 94. We're just getting in the thick of King of the Ring 94, uh, getting into some qualifying matches. Just had a major upset um, in Diesel taking out Razor Ramon. So fun stuff on Chronoso Monthly. Uh, we, uh, you know, If I recommend an episode, love our... Royal Rumble 94, Lover WrestleMania 10 podcast that we just did. And we just love you guys to check out, rate, listen, rate and review uh, the new generation era. You know, whether it's just the pay-per-views or you guys want to check out the weekly TV that we do. Uh, we do Raws and Superstars every week, tw- usually two two Raws and two Superstars per week. So every that's every other Tuesday on the North-South Connection. You know, Tim Slopka with JP, Justin Pratt. Uh, love it. And thanks for all the feedback we get. So thanks for listening to Mosa Monthly and we'll see you next month.
0: the Barber Beefcake, please, you've already given me my haircut, Brutus the but bar- take a look at this, Brutus this is incredible, what a package, where do you buy these clothes, where do you get something like this, what is that, fishnet, oh, do oh, get oh, these oh, oh. down on
10: the boardwalk
11: brother, it's beefcake, it's Brutus the Barber Beefcake,
2: here with Hollywood Dave Rollins, checking out this Mean Gene Interview Part 1 with Brother Brutai. what you think Hollywood?
12: Well, Rock and Ryan, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, I've been invited back. There's not that many times that happens to me in my lifetime, but uh, here I am again, once again. Uh, I had a lot of sexuality undertones going on in this um, this uh, promo right here with Brutus and his package with uh, Bean Gene and his uh, sexuality and his Minnesota ac- accent combined right there, and uh, Brutus one uh, having some intercourse uh, was also said there. But um, you know. Uh, it was a good promo. Brutus pumped up, Jack to the gills, getting ready for his big intercontinental title shot against the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, kind of a strange opponent for the Honky Tonk Man for WrestleMania 4. But, uh, you know, the Savage feud was obviously over by this time. And, um, you know, I guess he could have put Brutus in a tournament and had uh, maybe Jake here, but Jake already did his feud with Honky and stuff. So I guess it was the right choice uh, for the moment. And,. Um, You know, mean Gene just being his good old funny self, you know, throwing in those little puns there that we didn't get as 8-year-old kids. But uh, we certainly get them now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I love how these guys add. Gene and Euchre really add to this card here. Just the vibrance. It just really defines the era here with these two.
12: You can't beat the Euchre-Andre one, even though we're not covering that one right now. But my God, was that great? All
2: right, throw to the ring as we got Dino Bravo. What do you think of Bravo as we get out of here, Hollywood?
12: Uh do you know Bravo? Uh d- decent uh mid-card guy. I know he had a lot of success as uh Canadian former Canadian heavyweight champion as Gorilla Monsoon would always tell us. But uh, you know, never really seemed to get over that hump in the WWF. You know, he was always kinda, you know, he never really main event with Hogan, never main event with we well, did made he did some B-, B show main events with Warrior for Intercontinental title. But uh, you know, not really a standout type guy, but Anybody from my era, there's not really anybody I just flat out don't like. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, the Canadian strongman is all right in my book. Gotcha. All right, let's go check it out.
6: Cronoso. What is up? Jumbly Jake here. Um, I decided to make it my new gimmick to try and just choose the matches that seem the worst on paper. So for this WrestleMania 4 edition, I will be covering Don Morocco versus Dino Bravo. Um, epic clash of the titans here um, probably going to be my shortest entry yet because uh, the match is about 2 minutes and 30 seconds your managers here also uh, you know these are not all stars you got Frenchie Martin and Billy Graham this is when Billy Graham was with Dumb Morocco so Morocco's got the tie-dye um, Graham as a cane he's looking kind of rough already anyway uh, Morocco in the face looking very Dan Connor here very John Goodman Uh, both juice lords juice to the gills Uh, bravo specifically his uh is a steroid gut is hanging out pretty uh prominently here but anyway uh you get some they they start slugging away it's pretty you know i'm I'm gonna be honest it was a little more inspired than i mean i had low expectations going in but it was a little more inspired than i thought they kind of brought you know their working boots wherever you consider you know bravo's working boots but uh, you get some chops uh we get a pretty bad botch in the corner though he uh, Br- Morocco goes like he's doing like a um like putting both hands on the top rope like he's almost going for like a, like a vader splash type of thing and I guess he was going for a knee drop but Bravo was like a little too far away so then he has to just like weirdly slip off it was yeah it was it was rough um Jesse says that Fritzie Martin has brought the aggression. And a Dino Bravo, which I don't think Frenchie Martin has brought aggression, anything or anyone, his entire life. Um, Morocco starts doing some limb work here. We get Morocco kicking out the leg, starts uh, working over uh, uh, Bravo's leg here for a minute. Um, but Dino kicks him into a guillotine on the ropes. Bravo is the power driver, but uh, he stalls a bit because he's an idiot. And that allows uh, the Rock to kick out. Jesse attributes this to Don Morocco's thick neck. That's why he was able to uh, withstand the punishment of the pile driver. The finish kind of sucks. The ref gets bumped. Or like uh, Bravo pulls the ref in front of him. But there's like a thing where they delay where the ref has to recover. Then uh, Bravo gets the side suplex. You think the ref's coming to count and the ref just DQs him. So Morocco gets a a weak win here. So, yeah, it's a very WrestleMania 4, you know. Early match in that it's not that great, but it was better than I thought from these two. I'd probably give it like a star, I guess, because they, the chops were pretty good. And they they had a few spots where they were like being, you know, big juice lords laying into each other, which is okay. But, you know, it's better than expected, but that really doesn't mean a whole lot. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not much else to say here. So, uh, Don Morocco makes it through to the tournament. Will he win? No, he won't. Uh, spoiler, in case you need a spoiler on how old is the show at this point, like 37 years or something, who knows. But anyway, that's about it for this. That much more I could say. The match is like three minutes, and it's Dino Bravo and Tom Morocco. So enjoy the rest of WrestleMania 4 and see who will become the uh, world champion. Uh, catch me on the Roots the Aggressive Podcast every other Tuesday, for the most part, here on the North South Connection.
13: who I saw just a moment ago. Yep, she's down here, Vanna White, and she's waiting, as soon as I get finished with this little interview year, me and Vanna's gonna take a little walk around the uh, convention center here. Hey, Jeff, sorry, buddy boy. <laughs> you guys fooled me last year. This year, I got new contacts. I know who I'm looking for this year. You didn't get me, you didn't get me too good last year with Mula. Not at all. Burned me up a
14: <laughs> pair of shoes with- Come on, honky, big me. deal, Vanna White, right, baby? <laughs> Looking for Vanna White. I don't think you're looking for Vanna White at all. I think you're looking for something else down here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you guys are talking about. I'll tell you what you guys are looking for and what you're gonna find
13: very shortly Brutus the barber man, the guy who <laughs> takes care of me. Do I look good or not? And you better look out, buddy boy. You're gonna be losing some locks a little while in about, oh, I would say another 20 Wait minutes or minute. so. Wait yeah. a you wanna
14: try to be funny, yeah. why don't we talk about somebody's lifetime That's bat shit, average baby. or something, trying to make jokes out of here. This is serious business to us. We're talking about the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. We're talking about cutting somebody's hair. You're gonna get it, Brutus. Shake, rattle, and roll. I don't care if I have to backstroke up the Mississippi. Woo! You guys ain't never coming to my house.
8: The first segment we see, he's talking about how he just met Vanna, they were just hanging out, and then Honky con- Honky Tonk Man comes in with Jimmy Hart saying no one cares about Vanna White. He talks about how Brutus is his barber, and how he's going to take Honky's title and Jimmy's hair, and Honky promises to leave with his belt, and Bobby leaves by saying uh, that you're not invited over to my house anymore. So that's the first you for a segment. It goes pretty well. North South
2: Connection, welcome back to Cronoso here on YouTube. Simulcasting with audio. It's me, Ryan Graham. I'm going to be the who, the what, the where, and the why. I think this match is the best match, for me anyways, on WrestleMania 4. And the who? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. The what? A first round match in the WWF title tournament. When? March 27th, 1988. Where? Convention Center, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Why? Because of nostalgia and appreciation. Why is this nostalgia? Everyone's going to talk on this. Everyone on this Cronosso is going to talk about the two VHS tapes. For me, it would be across the street at my aunt's house in Rochdale, Massachusetts, where it was like a little convenience store. And I would just go in there and look at WrestleMania Four. it had two tapes it was easy to watch it was easy to order and it was less time on the tv instead of playing with her dogs and cats where i gained where i probably gained my allergy for said cats and dogs but even as a kid in the early 90s and this tape being two three years old i loved hulk hogan and the rockers and at that time valentine is a kind of a jobber, pretty much, on his way out of the WWF, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is a cartoon dragon, or on the other show, or not in the WWF, so I don't really know of him, but I know of him, pretty much, as a kid in the early 90s, around 7, 8, nine years old. Of course, I had both their Hasbros, but with me to my aunt's house when I went there to rent them, I was playing with them, as I was watching whatever wrestling tape I would watch and it was most likely this one. But even as a young youth, not really knowing what was what, I appreciated this match because it was good. It's solid as I'll get into. But then again, in the early, in the mid 2000s. I kind of grew out of wrestling a little bit. Graduated high school in two thousand four. I remember watching WrestleMania nineteen I definitely remember watching WrestleMania 20. I remember going to a pay-per-view in Hartford, Connecticut in 2004. I don't really remember much in 2005. I know I didn't watch WrestleMania 21 live the end, but I was playing football. I was playing flag football, so I went for the I went to my friend's house afterwards for the main event. Nowadays, I would have skipped that flag football game. Now we get towards the end of 2005, early 2006, in WrestleMania the DVDs have been released. Um, it's a Thursday night, I believe. That's the night I played softball. Me and my girlfriend are at the mall, and we have some news that I guess I'm going to be a father. Well, I guess we are. I'm going to be a father. I'm a 19 year old kid. I'm whatever nervous, whatever. So what do I? I don't really know. What do I want to do? I I probably found comfort in nostalgia when that. Wrestlemania four set DVD volume one was looking right at me poor kid just started working two jobs to get ahead for an incoming kid and fuck it 50 bucks am I gonna go home and watch this is this gonna be the springboard for me to become a wrestling fan again I don't really think I ever fell out of it but I didn't become obsessed with it again until this so we go, I buy it, we go home. I it's softball, so I gotta jump in the shower, get clean, and she throws it in. That was nice of her. But she throws it in WrestleMania 1. I said, Krista. No, WrestleMania 4. Eject. Get it out. Throw it in. It's WrestleMania 4. So we're watching it. She instantly falls asleep. Just like all the time. Dead is a doornail. Done. Knocked out. So I'm watching it. I'm tired. I'm in and out. It's not like nowadays where you're on your phone or whatever. Like a buddy would text you and so you jump on your no key and and text them back or whatever. But I'm tuned in. Like, this is my youth. This is my nostalgia. I'm watching this. And this match catches my eyes. But even again, in my late, early 20s, late teens, this match catches my eye again. And um, I appreciate it. So. The why nostalgia as a you. I appreciated it then, and then I appreciated it. I'm not saying this match got me back in, but that DVD set did get me back in. It sparked my interest. I would grab my laptop, just what's going on with wrestling now again, jump on wrestleview.com, what I used to jump on pro like I used to just start Googling shit in. Then I'm watching Raw again, I'm watching SmackDown again. I remember watching Eddie versus Kennedy, I don't remember if I was like, I just remember eavesdropping on it, I remember watching Shelton versus maybe HBK, but I forget, Shelton versus someone in a Raw match, I remember being back in by early December 2005, I remember Armageddon, in my first pay-per-view, I watched live again, was the Royal Rumble 2006, so this DVD set was a springboard for me back into this. And this match is my most appreciated match within that. Now let's get into the match. No entrance for Valentine. He gets about five, ten seconds of camera time. They announce him for 248 pounds. I don't know if I would have guessed that. I want to hear what you would have guessed Valentine's weight at. 249? I guess, right? Kind of like a big stocky guy, a little pot belly.
6: Maybe, eh.
2: I guess, yeah. Probably right. And then we get Steamboat, big, elaborate entrance, carrying the kid. Maybe that tugged my heart a little bit, finding out I was soon to be a father. But matching gear. uh I believe on the way down the ramp, Jesse says to Gorilla, Well, if he's in trouble, he can tag out now. I thought that was cute. So, anyways, uh Steamboat gets in the ring, parades the kid around the ringside, hands the baby off to the career destroying wife, also in red. Guerrilla and Jesse here set the table early, presenting both these guys as former Intercontinental champions and put over their endurance and their cardio as the match gets better, saying that they can go on all night in the tournament, and these two guys are set to do that. Steamboat grabs control early here with an excellent deep deep arm drag here, really torques it in, gets deep into it. Valentine's does a great job flying over, and these guys are already cooking rocking and rolling. Steamboat con- uh, continues control here as he goes for three to four rapid f- near four pinfalls they have a a a little hiccup here on a crucifix pinfall but still they did a good job covering for it it was this match was a little botchy i don't want to be out here saying that it was excellent perfect but it was well well worked early on here these guys are just cruising kicking the shit out of each other steamboat ends up losing control here as hammer really just starts grinding down on him as hammer does hammer just continuously goes after the throat as it was historically a uh, a sticking point for Steamboat, we would say. So they're really getting into their weak points here. They're really starting to grind them down. And this match is solid. The work is great outside the few hiccups. Then the rapid fire near falls from Steamboat continue here. As soon as he can counter into control, he's going for a rapid pinfall. He is, his chop game is out of control tonight. Hammer does a great job here selling that. And we got a token hammer back body drop here from a flurry of chop exchanges from Steamboat. Hammer gets his first pinfall attempt here after a beautiful back body drop thing. Off, He grabbed his leg. Steamboat did a great job grabbing the front rope and really propelled himself to the middle of the ring. Hammer bounces off the ring. A flying forearm straight to the neck again as he continues to go for that. Really good kick out at two and a half. First pinfall attempt for Hammer, and it was successfully awesome. Guys, this, deep, this work continues. It's deep. It's strong. The strikes from Steamboat are furious. Hammer is a great seller. Steamboat is a sympathetically great seller. Um, this match is just strong. It's, it, as it continues, I'm not going to go move to move here, as I don't want to bore you to death, as I already have been. But, anyways, it's I just can't put over the, how strong this work is. By the way, Jimmy Hart has been shouting instruction the whole time, encouraging his guy. Jimmy Hart is a low key underrated manager in this time. Outshined by the brain, of course, but Jimmy is a solid. Solid manager. We're about a minute into the hammer, just thunderingly, thunderously chopping and beating down Steamboat here as we pan to Donald Trump. And Jesse puts him over as his friend Donald. Is that a strike of Donald? My friend Donald? As Monsoon puts over the striking of Valentine. Quick exchange here. Quick pinfall attempt from Steamboat after he counters out of a quick chop exchange Hammer falls, of course. So, of course, quick fall. So, what we get here is we got the grit and grind of hammer. Psychology is tight here, let's say. The work is good. Uh, We get the hammer. He's trying to hammer him down, take him away, get him off his game, beat him down because his endurance is strong. Then we get Steamboat, who can take a beating, right? That's the name of his game. He can take a beating. He can dish one out, too. But he usually outlasts you or catches you with a quick pinfall or he's very urgent as a wrestler. So we're staying true to who we are within the structure. Guys, the deeper we get into this match, (laughs) the strikes are still coming harder, deeper, thicker. All right, so we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. Steamboat has finally found a pace in a groove where he can really just lay into hammer as hammer has been laying into him all match here. Stebo gets him into the corner. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. On the ninth one, Earl puts his little cheating ass in the way there, in the way of Hammer. So he stops the 10 count of the continuous headbutts into the corner here. Hammer uh Dragon gets frustrated, takes Earl, shoves him to the side. There's a little There's a little uh, back and forth there. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Little baby face fire gone a little bit too far. His urgency is overwhelming him. They continue to argue as Steamboat makes his way to the top rope. As Valentine flops to the back, Valentine makes his way to the top. They are still arguing. One, two, three. He's out of the ring. Beautiful crossbody attempt from the top rope. He really catches Valentine. But no, Valentine catches him. Reversal, Reversal. Grabs the tights. One, two, three. Steamboat was cheated, but it was a clean victory. However you want to decipher it, it was a really good match. Structure-wise, they they stayed on on track here. They hammered the shit out of each other. The chop exchanges were great. Um, Urgency from Steamboat was fantastic. Hammer stayed true to himself. Steamboat stayed true to himself. He got a little frustrated at the end. Hammer outsmarted him. Grab the tights. One, two, three. Solid match, guys. Solid. Three and a quarter stars. Uh, Two big botches here. The cross, the crucifix, and like some weird wumbly spot in the in the on the corner from Valentine. But I'm not. You know, that's that's nothing here. These guys were had an excellent nine minute match. Uh, Could have gone a little longer. Would have gotten better. Absolutely. But they're hampered to this structure of. You know, whatever here. I like how they put them over early as endurance monsters, you know, to kind of make them threats throughout the night. Uh, We figured we were going to get Steamboat Savage in a rematch in the second round. We did not. Valentine stole this. So we will have to see how Valentine's fares in his next match. Unfortunately, for you YouTubers, that's on audio. But for everyone else, that'll be up soon. YouTubers, go find the audio. Cronoso, we have 15 to 20 guys. Each episode bring you a match review or a segment review or promo review or whatever's going on in the history within the WWE. We're adding superstars. We're adding MSGs, Maple Leaf Gardens, Boston Gardens, whatever's coming your way next. But we will plug that all at the end. But I just want to throw that out to you here on the YouTube. All right, guys, catch you here. Also. Catch out Aaron on part two on YouTube as Aaron brings you Demolition versus Strike Force here on YouTube later, guys. It's
11: Matilda, Coco, and the Bird all right she is
0: back i'm talking about matilda matilda back after being dognapped by the islanders and bobby the wheat bobby the brain he and i beg your pardon and as i understand Coco beware of the british bulldogs you've had matilda in some very special training what about it dynamite that's right me and gene matilda's been through some very vigorous training special training and she's been doing a lot of hard work Isn't that right david boy
15: that's right me and Jean, she's the only certifiable
0: weasel dog in the world oh whoa, 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 wait a minute weasel dog what are you talking about a weasel dog the weasel
15: dog <laughs> and we're gonna take matilda weasel hunting for weasel heenan
0: weasel hunting <laughs> That's mm. it, for bobby heenan what about a BG?
11: Oh, yeah, oh, me. you see i smell I, I, smell, I smell, I smell a weasel hunt, brother, and Matilda smell a weasel hunt. That's right, Bobby Heenan, get ready, brother, because the bird man is fired up and the Bulldogs is fired up. Matilda, I want you to eat his lunch, okay, baby? Oh, oh ho, I thank you. thank
0: you very much. British yeah. Bulldogs, Coca, beware. Matilda's going to be revenge for you against the auditors and Bobby Heenan. <laughs> I can hardly imagine.
2: All right, we are back here with Hollywood. Rock and
12: Ryan, have you ever been weasel hunting? I have not. Uh, have you ever been weasel hunting, and Rob? You have not? Oh, uh, come on. You got to get on that. I
2: don't really hang out at the same clubs as you, Hollywood, but, you know, m- maybe soon.
12: Yeah, well, that, that... I was part of the Honeymooners, Ralph Cramden, but that was the raccoons. They'd go raccoon hunting and wear the hats upside down. You never know. But I love Mean Gene's reaction there when Coco starts singing. his oh, yeah! You know mean? Gene gets all startled and stuff. Those little He's subtle like- things that uh, Okerlund does is what, makes him, is what makes him stand out so much. And I remember me and my Aunt Dee writing a letter uh, to Matilda, to you know, when she, when she was dog napped and everything like that. And, uh, and we were so sad about it, but we really should have been writing a letter to Dynamite Kid to stop abusing her, right? Because I'm a dog person, Hollywood Dave Rollins. And uh, that's the folklore, at least nowadays, that uh, Dynamite is, um, you know, didn't treat that dog very well. And I guess maybe Davey Boy to a little lesser extent. But, uh, you know, great interview, great promo. Oh, the guys are out for their revenge. Uh, but little did I know what's coming down the aisle on the brain in a couple hours from, from this point.
2: I know that about Dynamite. That's unfortunate as a dog person myself.
12: Yeah, I mean, who knows with all these, you know, everything's a rumor. Like Bruce Victor said, it's rumor and innuendo. You know what I mean? But just well, from, you know. yeah, and so, you know, all these clickbait articles online and whatnot. But uh, from what we hear, yeah, they uh, they didn't treat the dog all too well. Uh, Nikolai, I think, tried to tried to help uh, Matilda out a lot and feed her a different thing,
16: uh, good food and stuff like that. <laughs>
2: Oh, baby face, Nikolai.
16: Hello. North-South Connection. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Mike Eller here, uh, continuing with this um, episode of WrestleMania 4 for Cronoso Monthly, where I'm going to be covering a first-round matchup here between uh, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and the natural Butch Reed, which I think is a pretty cool matchup. Um I'm a, i am like Butch Reed a lot. I, I you know, obviously de- this is of all the promotions he's been in, uh, with Mid South and WWF and WCW, like being the big three. I think this is probably where he had definitely the least success. Um, definitely felt like he was like the small star compared to what he would be in within other promotions. Uh, So it just got me wondering, like, I feel like WrestleMania 4, like 1988, 1989, Randy Savage is at the peak of his powers. Uh, So it'd be cool, maybe like a 1984 Butch Reed, or I don't know if he was as good of a worker, but even like 1990 Butch Reed. Uh, But anyhow, we don't get that. But it's always fun to wonder, like, you know, wrestlers wrestling at the, you know, each of their peak of their superpowers. Uh, But for tonight, we have both of them in 1988 at WrestleMania 4. Um, so the, for this match, um, it's following a Mean Gene interview with, uh, the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. Uh, so we already have Butch Reed in the ring. We do have, uh, he is with Slick, as manager, and it's not like in total complete job or entrance, like Slick's music's playing while, uh, while they cut back to the ring. So, you know, they're kind of giving him some chance, I guess. If, if, you know, if it just like they kind of showed him after Macho Man's entrance, you knew he was done. Uh, so we don't even get a promo from Slick. And out comes Macho Man with, of course, his manager, Miss Elizabeth. They're each adorned in blue, like almost like a royal blue, very sharp. Um, trunks that Macho Man is going for with this match are like the light purple, you know, pretty famous, and, you know, you see him on the shirts with the, sh- the Macho Man shades, um, and uh, Gorilla notes that the winner of this match is going to meet either, or not either, the winner is going to meet Greg Valentine in the quarterfinals of this tournament to crown a new champion. Uh, just some a commentary note, Jesse Ventura notes that he was aware of Macho Man's talents two to three years ago. And I kind of like that, like, you know, Macho Man's a, a basically, you know, is a baby face right now. Ventura is a heel, but I like the, he, you know, the, the heel announcer noting that, you know, he's noticed things before all the fans did, which is kind of cool, um, to a greater extent and to, a, you know, obviously, uh, much different respect. It kind of reminds me of Bobby Heenan almost turning himself babyface because he always knew Hulk Hogan was a scumbag when he joined the NWO. Um, so just a nice touch there. And, you know, Jesse's for the most part really great. So uh, to the match, uh, it, you know, it's not otherworldly or anything like that. It's fine. Uh, we get some stalling to start. Um, Macho Man does, you know, his twisting finger in the air. And Butch Reed almost has like a Fargo strut, uh, which okay. Uh, (laughs) Reed uh, so with with the actual when they actually you know get to fighting, Reed gets Macho Man in the ropes, uh, hits a snap mirror, um, does some like some short ground game work on Savage, uh, picks him back up and throws Savage into the post, uh, where Reed uh, try you know Reed tries some more offense and actually gets blocked by Savage, Um, Savage. I guess a little bit of a comeback. He tries a vertical suplex. It's reversed, and then uh, Reed hits his own suplex, and then followed by an elbow drop, which gets two. Um, Savage escapes, so Reed hits some punches, and uh, this gets Savage into the corner. Um, Savage really selling Reed here for as much as you can for this type of match. Um, Reed hits even more offense, and Savage is officially out of the ring, and... Um, Tries to roll back in, but Reed hits him with some kicks and uh, throws him into the ropes. And uh, an elbow knocks down Randy. So uh, this Reed, this gets Butch Reed to the middle rope, um, and you know hits Savage with a fist from the middle rope. Um, Savage then gets thrown in the ropes. Um, he hits a kick on Butch Reed. There's some exchanges in the rope, um, and then uh, Reed hits Savage with an elbow. Uh, Reed, this is where uh, the match really takes a turn. It takes the ultimate turn because Reed starts talking trash to Miss Elizabeth on the outside. Um, he tries ahead to ahead to, t- to, to the ropes uh, to hit another move, but uh, he took too long. He was talking shit to Miss Elizabeth. He shouldn't have done that. So he gets thrown off the top rope, and then uh, the Macho Man hits the Flying Elbow Drop and gets the three. Overall, I mean, it, the match was fine. Um, you know, it was short. It wasn't, you know, this this wasn't out to be obviously Macho Man's last WrestleMania v- match versus Steamboat. They have a tournament, um, and they've got you know, Macho Man is hoping to have a lot, many more matches left in this tournament uh, in order to win. So I thought again, I thought it was fine. Uh, <coughs> Reed, in general. Uh, his offense looked good. I mean, it didn't look like amazing or anything like that, but I thought his offense looked solid. And uh, Savage, you know, sold for like ninety-five percent of the match. There was no babyface comeback with the match this short. It, the babyface comeback was throwing him off the rope or throwing him off the top and winning, I, I did like that. Elizabeth was like utilized well. Like she just didn't sit on the outside. Like honestly, Slick did. I kind of forgot Slick was even in the you know part of the match because he he didn't do anything. But Elizabeth did, and she helped Macho Man win because uh, Reed was really dominating offense. So, they again, they made good use of her, and she's not just sitting on the outside. So, obviously, Macho Man is going to face Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, which our team was going to get to later. Uh, Butch Reed will not be wrestling in WWF at all the rest of this show or ever again. Um, he is This is his last match with the company. Uh, later in the year, he's gonna wind up in Jim Crockett Promotions. You know, obviously later WCW, uh, where you know he'll have some more success down the line, teaming with uh, Ron Simmons and uh, in with Doom, uh, which is an awesome team. But that's not this podcast. And I just looked at Wikipedia and. He uh, is only his next. The last time he appears on WWF television, this being Butch Reed, is an episode of SmackDown with his manager of Doom, uh, Teddy Long. So, uh, won't we'll see Butch in WWF TV for almost 20 years. And uh, that's that with this match. So, I hope you enjoyed lis- listening about uh, Macho Man's first win. Uh, is he going to win any more? Please tune in and listen more. Uh, So we will get it to the next match, and we'll talk to you next time. You know, I was just
13: looking at a picture here in the uh, WrestleMania book. Check it out, Jess. Look who's next to Vanna, I even signed it for her right here. (laughs) She's right around the corner. We've been talking and going over a few things about WrestleMania, what we're gonna do later on. (laughs) You know how it is. (laughs) I'm sorry about it, big boy. Hey, you know, with all the excitement and everything that's going on here with WrestleMania, I can't forget my little darling. (laughs) I've been writing her letters, man. They just haven't caught up to her. You know how they move. (laughs) You've been writing Vanna White letters? Yeah, that's right, buddy boy. And speaking of letters, you're gonna get a letter a little later on All three of you guys, you guys, the Islanders, and the weasel, I might add, the British Bulldog, Coco Beware, and I got a big surprise for you, baby, and I know you know he's here. Matilda's back, and you are in a jam. For what you did, for what you did to that dog, the ASPC KGBY ought to be on you
5: forever. First of all, I don't have to take insults from you or anybody else. You talk about people writing in letters. You had over 700,000 votes to get in the Hall of Fame. You'd have had a lot more than that, but you ran out of stamps. So don't tell me any of your garbage. Yeah. And as far as some dog putting their, the bite on me, dragging me out in the sand, and burying me so nobody can find me, you're wrong. See, I got a surprise for everybody. I got my Islanders. Bobby the Brain you can take Coco Beware, you can take the British Bulldogs, and that miserable mutt, Matilda, and that bird, put them all in one package and get rid of them. I got other things to do. Gentlemen, let's get ready. Yeah, <laughs> hey, speaking
13: of smorgasbords, Matilda's gonna have plenty tonight. <laughs> and you Islanders, don't ask me to come back and speak at your outrigger dinner. You guys have had it as far as I'm concerned.
8: And then we come back and Bob Bucher is talking again about how he's talking to Vanna White and shows that they're right next to each other in the program, which makes sense because you would put the celebrities on the same page, I think. And then he- Bobby Heenan and the Islanders walk in and- Bob Euchre makes sure to call him a weasel and tells him that Matilda is back. And all, Bob Uecker mentions all the letters that were written to Matilda and Bobby Heenan and brings up that you got 700,000 letters to get you into the Hall of Fame. You would have you got more, but you ran out of stamps. And then a funny note, though, in 2003, Bob Uecker was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame as a announcer, but still made it. Of course, in 2010, he would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, so he's actually in both the Baseball Hall of Fame and the WWE Hall of Fame, something Pete Rose cannot attest to, which is kind of funny, I think. Uh, Yeah, and then the brain promises a big surprise for the Bulldogs, their miserable mutt, and also Coco Beware and Frankie.
17: The next match we get will determine the 7th out of the 8 quarterfinal participants for this amazing tournament for the World Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Championship. First off, we get the greatest New Jersey-born wrestler of all time, the beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow. His opponent will be the man with possibly the greatest name in wrestling history for a dude, the One Man Gang. Two of the greatest big men of all time. Two of my favorite big men of all time. Two of the coolest looks and names and gimmicks in a late 80s WWF. Just massive dudes with massive fucking potential and sick, sick looks. Also, two dudes that were kicking ass in world-class championship wrestling, among other places, but definitely the first time I ever saw them. Man, WWF owes so much to world-class. <laughs> they took so many of their great dudes. Not to mention, you know, you go back to Bundy, and uh, it's, it's insane how much great stuff they got. If only they could have got Bruiser Brody. We get Bam Bam walking down the aisle with his manager, Sir Oliver Humperdinck. One-man gang is already in the ring with his manager, the doctor of style slick really cool moment here as humperting tries to get into the ring and slick kicks at him <laughs> slick uh man slick is so fucking mean he's such a suave motherfucker but man he is a mean dude man he's always getting his shots in and uh we'll see some of that later Bam Bam cuts such a sick presence on the way to the ring. Gang just owns the ring in the middle of it like a monster. His gear fucking rules as always. Great. The uh, the skull icon that he has on his shoulders is very unique. I don't know if I've ever seen it kind of uh, replicated before. It fucking rules. The bell rings pretty quick. Bam Bam has his back to the one man gang and that is a mistake as gang is real quick and attacks with some big, clobbering overhand blows. A sick elbow to the back of Bam Bam neck. One Man Gang's, uh, I guess one of his signatures besides his amazing splash would be his overhand uh, north-south elbows. They always were brutal gang is clobbering the shit out of bam bam to start and bam bam is uh really wrecked really quickly gang has the advantage with some punches and forearms and uh once again more vertical elbows to the head He whip, he's able to whip bam bam into the corner and just imagine launching a six foot four 400 pound man across a ring like that the amount of strength that he uh has to exert is fucking amazing bam bam goes brett style into the turnbuckle chest first and it fucking wrecks him gang runs full speed and crushes bigelow in the corner with a huge splash another Irish whip. This one would go from corner to corner, but, in, but here Bam Bam bounces off the turnbuckle, comes back at gang with Bam Bam showing amazing agility here, nails a six shoulder block, then does a cartwheel, and the crowd loses their mind. This is like a fucking goddamn 450 in 1980s wrestling, man. Watching a giant man do a cartwheel is fucking insane. And we get a splash by Bam Bam, too. Bam Bam with sick agility as he bounces off the ropes. He ducks Clothesline City from the one-man gang, bounces off the ropes again, and hits a huge high cross body to the one-man gang. He gets a lot of air here. Uh, the pinfall is great here because Bam Bam is on his toes putting extra leverage on gang. It looks really cool. Gang kicks out of two. We're not deep into this match, but already we're getting two counts and some sick maneuvers. Bam Bam stomps on gang while he's on the ground he also does his kind of, like, flowing punch thing that he always looks really cool when he winds up for, which I love. Gang is sitting on the ground, and Bam Bam comes behind him, kind of uh, like a former, like a future opponent of Bam Bam. Taz would do cross-faces. Bam Bam comes behind Gang, which just straight writes down onto the fucking head and face of one-man Gang. Uh, fucks Gang up pretty good from this, and uh, Gang is feeling it, man. Goes for a pinfall again, but uh, Gang kicks out uh, a little less authority this time from Gang, as Bam Bam's really working him over- over more, uh elbows to the top of Gang's head, forearms, punches, and of course, you get the Bam Bam headbutt. Always oh, fucking wild to see that. Gang gets up, and it's kind of wild to see how much smaller Bam Bam is to Gang here. Uh, build at 6'4", is Bam Bam. Build at six nine is Gang. Forget that Gang is such a big dude. Gang is so massive and, and intimidating here. Very impressive. Gang is startled, though. He, uh, Bam Bam winds up and nails a sick clothesline to Gang that really kind of catches him in the jaw and the side of the neck and just rocks him, man. Fucking <laughs> And gang goes down from this man hard gang is up against the ropes in front of his man slick and slick is shouting some sh- uh some encouragement here uh, but gang is rocked bam bam just using big punches and the elbow to the top of the head gang is completely incapacitated here bam bam nails with a fucking uh a straight right hand across the bridge of the nose that fucking i don't know how there's any cartilage left in one man gang's nose right now after that fucking shot one man gang is down. And then we get a a beautiful spot here. Bam Bam bounces off the ropes, flies through the air after a couple of steps, his arms out in his Jesus Christ pose, and he drops a huge headbutt right to the side of Gang's face. His nose is already jacked, now his jaw is fucking rocked. Bam Bam stands up, throws his finger in the air, uh, signaling to the fans that he's about to go for something big. As he goes to bounce off the ropes and now the big splash what happens here the doctor style slick pulls down the top rope and holy shit fucking bam bam goes backwards over the top rope head first head straight down he does not turn around beforehand to go over he goes straight backwards this is fucking scary as hell it is insane that bam bam does this uh holy shit bam bam's fucked up on the outside bam bam is trying to get back in the ring he is having a really hard time he's cut off by Gang here. And just, Gang is nailing him with fucking clobbering fucking fists here at forearms. Bam Bam hits a shoulder block that pushes Gang away. At this moment, Bam Bam is, is, is frantically trying to get into the ring here. As he gets into the ring, he, he pushes off Gang. He does a cartwheel and gets ready to knock the shit out of fucking Gang. But Gang gets the fuck out of Dodge. He weaves the ring. Humperdink jumps in. The bell is ringing here. What the fuck is happening? Hum- Humperdink is trying to raise the arm of Bam Bam but no. The match is over. Every Everyone's confused. The announcers are saying maybe Gang got a disqualified. But the decision from Howard Finkel here is that Bam Bam was counted out. This is one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen in wrestling. Bam Bam was... They, they do not show the referee counting until Bam Bam is on the apron already. And the referee is inches away from him screaming at four. Now Bam Bam is on the apron while One Man Gang is clubbering him over the top rope. And Bam Bam is punching through the ropes. And the referee just keeps counting. And then he counts to 10. (laughs) And then that's it. I've never seen a count out like this before WrestleMania 4. I don't know if I've ever seen one after it. And if I have, it's fucking stupid. This is one of the worst finishes in WrestleMania history by far. As a kid, this was infuriating because I loved Bam Bam Bigelow so goddamn much. This could have been a fucking big man classic. I mean, shit, man. You have the. It starts off with Bam Bam getting all the all the fire in the beginning. You have the you have a, the makings of a classic here, and you just get this shit fucking finish. It annoys me forty fucking years later. Even, he just got cheated, but it doesn't even make sense. Once again, just insanity to watch. Bam Bam ruled here. He was a beast. <laughs> no pun intended or pun intended. He was a monster. He controlled Gang. Gang really just gave it up to to Bam Bam here. I would have loved to see Gang go in control here once he gets back in. There's got to be a better way to fucking do this with maybe Slick getting some shots in, but it just made no fucking sense here. Now, these were just two guys that definitely didn't get their shrift in the WWE, and you look at one-man Gang, and you go, hey, foot. Foot nine skulls mohawk biker dude. What the fuck? You can't do anything with this. We should use this guy to make fun of Dusty Rhodes because Vince McMahon's such a fucking genius. Oh, wait, hmm, sounds like a cat the character I'm describing though sounds like a character that became The Undertaker in 2000 or 99 and became and was a huge star and then you have Bam Bam Bigelow a dude with some flames on his gear and uh oh yeah a guy I could think of another guy that is adjacent to The Undertaker there so um two dudes that fucking ruled and should have been way bigger now on these I like to really be more Mr. Brightside and like find the best in all matches that I watch and the three minutes of this match were great but the finish was just so stupid and I think about how how all, both these guys were kind of handled in their career. And it just kind of annoys me and bums me out. But this is a big beast hoss fight thing, right? And it makes me think of... Godzilla and King Kong, right? That's the obvious analog. But I think of Freddy versus Jason. Anytime there's a movie with a crossover, or a TV show or a comic book, it is never as satisfying as you want it to be. Those are for political reasons of like, hey, this character's creator wants this, this character's creator wants this. Unfortunately, in this instance, it's not the person that created the characters, but the person that created the venue. That's a fucking dumb fuck and screwed this match up. My name is Rocco Martone. I say check it out and fantasy book your own finish because you could do a better job than Vince McMahon did here. Up next, more tournament action. All right, over
0: the last couple of months, it has been very difficult for me to introduce this man without using World Wrestling Federation champion. Hulk Hogan here at WrestleMania 4 this afternoon. You've got the opportunity to change that.
11: Oh, yeah, it's been hard to live with, man. fee fi fo andre One long year, and your time has come, man. No marks, no scars, no blemishes on the holster, brother. But inside, man, I've been scarred for one long year. Everywhere I go, man, all the little holsters ask me, is there any truth to the fact That there was a controversial count holster. Did you really get him over your head? Did you really beat the Giants? Well, today man in wrestlemania 4 we're gonna wipe all that controversy out andre the giant in the second round when you're fresh as a daisy with the whole world watching i'm gonna prove brother that i can beat you anywhere anytime and all my hulkamaniacs they're gonna feel it too
0: speaking of the hulkamaniacs hulk hogan we have seen him here in atlantic city and i know millions others are watching very intently all around yeah, the world. But if
11: you look in their eyes, man, have you seen the fear in all those little holsters? They realize that when I get Andre the Giant cinched up in the launch position, when I slam him through the Trump Plaza brother from New York, the fault line is going to break off, and as Andre the Giant falls into the ocean, as my next two opponents fall to the ocean floor and I pin him, so will Donald Trump and all the maniacs. but as Donald Trump hangs onto the top of the Trump Plaza with his family under his other arm, as they sink to the bottom of the sea, thank God Donald Trump's a maniac. he'll know enough. To let go of his materialistic possessions, hang on to the wife and kids, dog-paddle with his life, all the way to safety. But Donald, if something happens, you run out of gas, and all those little Hulkamaniacs run out of gas, just hang on to the largest back in the world, and I'll dog-paddle us, backstroke all of us to safety. Oh, and thank you, Hulk Hogan, let's get back to action. Wow.
12: Hollywood and Rollins, brother. Hollywood Rollins. But let me tell you something, man. Hogan and Mean Gene, they're just like peanut butter and jelly. They just go right together. Hulk brought him in from Minnesota. Uh, Hulk basically followed him to WCW. Well, that's not the reason why he went, but it would have been so weird if Mean Gene stayed in 93 without Hulk. I know Hulk did his little run in 02 without Mean Gene, but they would even bring Mean Gene back and, like, when Hulk would do his uh, one offs here and there. And uh, have him host Hulk's birthday party or whatnot, those two just standing together just it, it, it look so great. It's a perfect combination. And hey, this might be a little controversial here, so I don't want to get into politics. But where was the Hulkster to help out Donald Trump in 2020? That's what I want to know. He didn't put him on his back back then, Jack. But uh, <laughs> just playing around, <laughs> no there. I, promise, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to lose any listener, but anyway, um. Yeah, man, the Hulk stories, uh, I think that this is prime Hulk Hogan right here in 1988, you know, 87, 88. He's doing the big backstroke out. That's a famous famous scene right there that people love to recreate over the years. And uh, I'd like to do a backstroke in a pool right about now. It's about uh, 95 degrees here in uh, New Jersey today.
2: Yeah, you could tell on Gene's face that he just really enjoyed working with Hulk. Just that whole interview, he was like, he just had a smirk on him a mile long.
12: All those guys, Gene, Bobby, Hulk—they all—they all went together. Shame that Jesse didn't, because um, uh, Jesse mixed well with Gene too. It's a shame that Hulk and Jesse could could never uh, seem to mend off that uh, little problem they had there uh, with Hulk ratting on supposedly writing on Jesse with Vince the and
8: Union's. that whole deal.
12: Yeah, the union stuff at WrestleMania too. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Hulk and Mean Gene, brother. What else could you say?
4: All right, Cronosa, we told you we'd be back. Keithy and JT, we mm-hmm. are here to kick the show off with the Battle Royal. And now we're here to close out the first round of the tournament, Keith.
5: With the with the match that single-handedly destroyed this pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, no,
4: this In is In my pay-per-view. opinion. i say the pay-per-view <laughs> as a whole destroys itself. But this is one that even the nostalgia can't carry, right? Like, I think WrestleMania 4 is one of the ultimate nostalgia shows uh, for sure but uh, i believe this match is one that's uh hard for even those most hardcore 1988 WWF wrestlemania 4 <laughs> defenders like when, this yeah. is like an impossible one to to really get behind
5: when this when the, when wrestlemania 4 came up on the uh Chronoslo monthly i went who the hell is going to do this <laughs> match <laughs> yeah. and here sucks. we are
4: and here we are <laughs> and it's so ang- angry like you get yeah. so angry about it because if you look at the other matches yeah, this should not
5: be the worst. No, <laughs> like, on like, paper, this should have been a good match. Yeah, I mean it's the yeah. it's
4: the final first round match, like we said. So there's what one, two, three, four, five, five before it because yeah. we got Hogan and Andre get the buy.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, the winner of this is slated to face One Man Gang.
5: Yep. And I think historically this gets conflated with their feud, but yes. they weren't feuding yet. Not at all, and that's what I find funny is that they literally have the hottest feud of '88. Right. After, well, yeah, yeah, they have the hottest feud, I feel like, of 88 after this match. And this is, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's no good. I mean, maybe they needed that heat. I, I think Rude,
4: well, I'm not going to get into my thoughts on Rude here and Dirty F, but <laughs> I've, I've covered it on others, specifically Noah's Bard when we went to our greatest wrestler ever list. Mm. I do think that Rude um, is overrated in the WWF, I, I think his WCW stuff is fantastic I think yeah. he has a, a couple of great matches in WWF, yeah. but I think I think his stuff is actually disappointing more than it's not and I feel like I have a bit of an authority on it because on the place to be podcast Scott and I watched every Madison Square Garden cards um and every pay-per-view inside science mid event from 1985 yeah. to 1992 so yeah. like I saw everything he had on any kind of stage outside of TV which is going to mainly be squashes um and I left way more disappointed than not through most of his stuff.
5: I think and... in the WWF, he's way more. He's and this match shows... Us, this is a perfect showcase for your your beef on him being overrated because he's way more concerned with doing the fucking rude awakening and like the the shimmy, the waist shimmy, and stuff than he is about. It's all actually... the
4: fucking rest holds
5: too. Chin yeah. locks, oh.
4: seated chin locks. Like my, my god, I so literally so many rest holds.
5: I'm writing down. I went another fucking chin lock. I'm like, are you fucking serious? I think this i think he does like four or five reverse chin locks jake does like three fucking arm bars it's like well, the problem
4: is they're trying to fill 15 minutes right so like that's your first problem and i get why they didn't want to have this end in a different type of draw right because and this is the problem for for as a whole which you're going to get as you go through this on the show yeah dq yeah count out yeah and our next tournament match, which is Hogan-Andre, is going to have a double DQ, right? So you right. can't do a double DQ here with Jagan and Rude, no. even though that would have been a hotter, maybe if you have an eight-minute match where they brawl and get disqualified, maybe better, right? Instead, they're clearly trying to eat the time. And I think they thought these guys are the two best workers that we could put out to kill. Like, Savage is probably the best worker, but these two are probably the guys you figure could go 15 without a problem. Now, I would posit to you, Keith, that the actual best guy in the first round that should have been in this position would have been Greg the Hammer Valentine, absolutely. Like he's the dude that
5: can put on a 15 minute match and not have it feel like a slog, right? So he he's also the time ty- he's also the kind of guy that if you're watching Greg Valentine do a reverse chin lock, it's not as fucking boring as watching right. Rick Rude do one. He's grinding it way more. So like <laughs> I would have definitely done,
4: I believe, mm-hmm. I would have done Jake and Valentine with the double with the draw, and yeah. then have Rude. Win his first round match over Steamboat, which is a rematch from the Rumble. Yep. And then lose to Savage in the second round. Sure. Um, which is fine. I, I, I don't think they're trying to protect Rude really. Um, and you can still start Jake
5: and Rude as a feud on TV without... Like, this doesn't lead to any kind of feud. You know what I mean? No. Like, and I don't feel... I did not get the feeling that they were trying to protect either either guy. No. They were just trying to run the clock out. They were just trying to run the clock out. I, I have to note on the network, it's the worst fucking dub over music because oh, yeah, yeah, not one. only is it that awful dub over, but they adding crowd sound that just mm. sounds so bad. So it's just, it's so loud and so annoying again. I'm so sick of listening to Jesse talk about, Oh, there's rude The Jesse, the body. Of-. I mean, that's fucking <laughs> it fallen him to WCW. Like, Seriously, like, did 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 Rick Rude, when he signed with WCW, go, You guys got to get Jesse because he talked about need, We need him to keep this. We up. need him to keep talking about the Jesse the Body Award. Yeah, he, I, mean... I guess
4: I used to these dubs that I start being numb to it. Um, But <laughs> yes, it's it's not one of their better ones for sure for Rude. Um, but the matches, I mean, we haven't talked too much about it. But yes, like you said, it's a lot of like Rude avoiding the DDT, yep. trying to get the Rude Awakening, and then chin lock, chin lock, chin lock, gyrate, gyrate, a couple of punches, chin lock, chin lock. Chin lock, chin yeah. lock. Stomp, stomp. Um, it's just all, like the crowd starts to turn on it eventually. Um, and Jake is super over. So, like, the crowd turning on a Jake match is, like, wild yeah. at the oh, yeah. time period. You know? Hearing,
5: like, boring chants. Um, yeah. I think Gorilla and Jesse telegraphed that this was going to be a time limit draw because they kept talking about the time. Yeah, states- we didn't even say, like, we've got to be close to the 15 the, minutes. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that they started it, like, really early in the match. Right. And which leads me to believe that they knew that this was gonna be a time limit. So they they knew that they had to like fill because no other match is the time limit even ever brought up. No, it's stupid. It's yeah. it's so
4: telegraphed. And anyone that's watched like a Madison Square Garden to this point or anything, anyhow shows knew where this was headed as soon as they yeah. start. Like it's yeah. obvious that they're filling yeah. to this is a classic eighties WF draw. Yeah. Just like rest hold city, sluggish start, and mm-hmm. then a hot last couple of minutes. But honestly. We don't even really get that here. Like no. we don't even get like the hot stretch into the finish. No. I mean, a little bit where Jake gets a stomach breaker, Rudy gets the back suplex. Um, and then into the
5: draw, but it's not the usual standard, like red hot finish. No, um, not at all. And the crowd and, hated it. Like it just <laughs> had to be a better way to do this. I, I, I think, uh, Jesse was threatening the world with, uh, you know, ha- saying he was going to come back and challenge the champ. I was like, Oh, please. <laughs> no. Um, they had great conversation. Jesse and Gorilla had a great conversation about uh, wearing tights. Oh, we didn't have those tights back in your day, Gorilla. No, no, we didn't. No, no. I felt like the only one that wasn't sleeping during this match was Donald Trump, who's in the front row. <laughs> it's
4: the only thing he was awake for. But yeah. I
5: think the... Um, I, I would have just had Jake win,
4: honestly. And mm. then I would have had Gang. If you don't want to... If you already feel like you're going long, and that's probably why they did this. But the irony is... Oh my god. You don't need to do fifteen. Like Jake wins in an eight. Yeah. And then that's enough time for another match. And if you want to have Jake get protected a bit against gang, just have him bring the snake out. Like mm-hmm. Slick is in the ring with the cane, yeah. and Jake brings a snake and then he gets DQ'd or something. Or you know, yeah.
5: maybe he chases Slick to the back with a snake. Like that's a finish they did before. Or or you just have you have this match go like seven minutes, six, seven mm-hmm. minutes. Jake wins. And then freaking one main gang beats him in like three minutes.
4: Or, but my point is though, if you want to save Jake and not have gang pin him quick. Yeah. You could do what I said, like a three minute brawl with gang and Jake. And then Slick gets in the ring and Jake chases him with a snake and gets counted out. Yeah. Like, you could just do that. Or Rude even attacks him in the aisle. Like he starts to bait, Slick baits him out and Rude jumps him. And now you start your feud because Rude's trying to get revenge for the loss.
5: There's a thousand different ways they could have ended it and not had it be so bad. And I just don't I don't understand why it ended the way it ended. I mean, even even just like not even getting like a one count at the end and then the bell rings, it's just like, what? It's just super so boring. bad. It's so I'm bad. I'm confident
4: our recap was superior <laughs> to
17: the match.
5: I just like how Bobby Heenan was yelling the whole time to like it seemed like the only one that didn't know this was a draw was Heenan. Right. <laughs> like Heenan's like, like, what are you, what doing? Are you fucking doing? Yeah. Fucking yeah. Hurry wasting up. time. Why? He's like, no. Why are you going starts? into your fourth reverse chin lock, guy?
4: <laughs> no, unaware of the clock. It does make them look stupid, too, that they're moving. Yeah. Like, they even kind of say it on commentary. Like, don't these oh, yeah. guys know there's a clock? You know, like, yeah, you know, they're not really showing any urgency here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so not great. No. But I do think um, yeah, yeah. there's like a couple of glimmers. I'm going to go, I'd go like one star on it because I do think there's like a couple of glimmers in here of something. Um, I, I, but I'd be perfectly fine for anyone that goes like full dot on it. It's, it's <laughs> long. It's bad. I, I think Aaron has is like one of the worst <laughs> pay-per-view matches ever. Um, I mean, it's. I think when yeah. you factor in the talent, yeah, and how boring. It, you could argue it's one of the worst ever because
5: yeah, it should have been better. You know, I, I would say that I'm gonna give it a half star just mm. because of the talent that's involved. But honestly, it's terrible, and it's more, it's more just so. Dis- this is one of those matches that's like when you upset your parents when you were a kid and they just looked at you and went, I'm so disappointed in you. It's just, it's not like, there's not even anything worth yelling at. It's just, you're just, you're disappointed because you know that the, because the two of them were the hottest feud two months later, Mm -hmm. a month later, and then had great matches all over the, you know, across the the board. (sighs) So
4: frustrating. It is. Like most of the show, mm-hmm. but not like Cronoso, which is great. So, yes. I want to thank you guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, me and Keith teaming up here. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. we'll make it a thing, Keithy. We'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we'll make it a thing. Of course, up next, we have Ultimate Warrior and Hercules, but uh, be sure to subscribe on uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to this to. And also, we have a YouTube channel. You can check us out on a lot of our video content as well. Just search out North South Connection and you can find everything we have to offer. So, for Keithy, MJT, we'll talk to you soon. Kicking it over to the Warrior and Herc.
11: Mm.
0: All right, I thank you, gentlemen. We are at the Championship Elimination Tournament Board. It all leads to a new World Wrestling Federation champion will be crowned by the end of this day. I want to bring in, and I know everybody, including myself, and Bob Eucher, have been waiting to meet this young lady. She is the most famous letter-turner in the entire world. Please welcome Wheel of Fortune's beautiful, vivacious Vanna White. Darling, welcome to Wrestlemania 4 and Vanna isn't it exciting
18: it is exciting I'm having a great time
0: all right let's talk by the way I've got to mention Bob euchre has been hanging around here he's been hanging all over me looking for you you haven't seen him have you who oh he's gonna love that I thank you very much Vanna White love you very good here we go Hulk Hogan Andre the Giant as you know Vanna receiving a bye in the first round they're gonna be kicking it off in round number two because of what happened on February the 5th who do you like in this one Hulk you do I like him. I do H-
18: like him. He is so nice. I've been talking to him. He's terrific. I like him. Oh, I hope time.
0: you haven't distracted him going into this big match with Andre the Giant. I don't think so. All right, Vanna <laughs> White. Also in round number two, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, thanks in part to Andre the Giant, has advanced. He is going to be going against The Rock, the magnificent Morocco. Who are you liking this one, Vanna White? I
18: have to tell you something. I, I don't know about the Million Dollar Man. I don't like anybody buying anything. For anything you know you have to work for it I don't like people trying to dish out money to win something
0: all right he tells me that uh, everybody has a price a surprise here Greg the hammer Valentine advancing he's gonna be going against the macho man Randy Savage quickly Vanna
18: Randy Savage
0: you like Elizabeth
18: I think she's terrific I like that a woman a woman person behind him that's what they need and she's doing a great job and they make a great team
0: all right and the one-man gang receives a buy in the first round as you could very well see Jake the Snake and Ravishing Rick Rude going the full 15 minutes on that one. It is exciting. The championship elimination tournament part of WrestleMania 4. Vanna White and myself are going to be back with more results a little later on. Right now, let's get back to Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura.
5: Oh, thank you, Gene.
12: Thank you, Van- Hey,
2: Hollywood, what you got, brother?
0: All right, man. I think Vanna did a great job there.
12: and She made a dress out of Steve Allen from WrestleMania 6 wife's underwear because uh, Jimmy yeah. Snuka was wearing them uh, at that event. But uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, good job having, uh, you know, uh, Vanna White, you know, pointing to to the things in a tournament bracket as she would do, turning the letters on Wheel of Fortune. It makes a lot of sense. Beautiful woman. And she's not going to distract Hulk because Hulk was never really good friends with Pat Sajak, brother. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't think there's no distractions going on there. So, uh, but, yeah, good job. You know, Mean Jeans eyeing her up and down like always, and this will be a Ongoing thing throughout the night, and I think uh, Bobby Heenan might have gave her a couple of pointers on the Bob Euchre who that deal, because uh, you know that would always be his uh, cup of tea to go to some some celebrity they would they would mention. But it's funny because uh, last year at WrestleMania three, it was supposed to be Euchre chasing around Samantha Fox, which would made, made a lot more sense, but it turned into Moolah when uh, Samantha Fox pulled pulled out. Not literally. <laughs>
2: So we go we we got a call back here at WrestleMania four. Same storyline just from different players there. Love it.
12: There you go. I didn't know yep. that by the way. Little technique oh, really? there for WrestleMania three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Cool. But yeah, I did I thought that was a great job of using her. Like yeah towards great use as, of her. So. She
12: comes comes out again later, you know, uh with Euchre and all for the main event uh, and whatnot. But uh yeah, this is, this is great use of her. A lot better than the wrestling classic with uh Susan Waitkus. Lord Alfred Hayes and Vince McMahon, I think uh, they got it right this time.
2: Oh, yeah. Trial run on that one.
17: Yeah.
1: (laughs) North-South Connection. What's going on? Mike Rossi here to discuss the Ultimate Warrior versus Hercules at WrestleMania 4 in a first-round matchup in the WWF Championship Tournament. Um we are obviously in Trump Plaza here, and they've got a weird setup. They go to the matchup where Hercules is already in the ring. Um, then Warrior gets his full entrance. He's not as, you know, out of control and psychotic as usual. He, he does his normal ring run, ring run, but then he just gets in the ring. Um nothing too crazy. Um so Gorilla and Jesse the Body tell the short history of these two, um, how they snapped a chain in the build-up, which kind of led to just learning how strong these fucking guys are um there's a lot of beef here let's put it that way um now match opens with a double running shoulder block um kind of a irresistible force means an immovable object type moment um and they just neither sell it they stare each other down and then that leads to some pushing and some flexing and then they do a full-blown lock up into the corner warrior overpowers hercules and then warrior is able to hit some chops uh, Hercules selling these chops alright, but not really, um, then charges at Hercules at Warrior again, Warrior Irish whips him, but Hercules reverses that into three clotheslines, now the first two were super stiff, um, not a lot of selling for Warrior for the first two, and then the third one dropped Warrior, so it was kind of uh, the build-up of them eventually hurt the, the psychotic man himself, now Warrior... Gets himself up, reverses a fourth clothesline attempt from Hercules into one of his own, and he drops Hercules with that one clothesline he hits, showing his power is stronger than Hercules. Then up in another clothesline and drop for Hercules again. So Hercules is really selling these clotheslines now. Warrior attempts Snake Eyes, which he misses in just absolute horrendous fashion. Um, Hercules was about two feet from the rope when Warrior threw him down. Um, Hercules did his best to try to you know, get through this. Warrior quickly Irish whips Hercules again for a chop, which drops Hercules. Hercules then ducks a punch as he gets up, and Warrior goes over the top, but lands on his feet while grabbing the top rope. Um, landed this pretty good, but it just looked clunky on the way out of the ring um, before he eventually pulled Hercules out of the ring himself. They brawled outside, Warrior's definitely landing more of the offense on the outside before ultimately they both get back in the ring. Now, the focus at this point shows Heenan looking for something in his pocket, whether that was, I don't know, a brass knucks or just a matter of him screwing with the crowd and maybe Gorilla was fooled by it and never alluded to anything. So they did talk about it for a couple seconds, though. Back in the ring, Hercules is now working over Warrior with punches and chops. Uh, has full control at this point. Warrior's selling a little bit, but. Not really a ton. Warrior then overpowers him again, and then he does the 10-second rope corner punches, uh, which Hercules turns into an atomic drop of his own. So these guys are doing a lot of power moves on each other with not a lot of selling. This is a pretty much full-blown turn at this point. This match is not good. Warrior reverses another corner Irish whip into his own, and he charges at Hercules, who moves out of the way, and Warrior runs into the corner face-first at full speed. And then Hercules turns that into a full Nelson, but he couldn't get his fingers locked. Warrior then kicks off the top rope, um, a la Bret Hart and uh, Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. Um, But this time, it also led to the finish, as much like that match does in, in the future years. But, of course, it couldn't have looked pretty. Now, he landed it pretty well, but then they count to three. And the camera doesn't even really catch it, but Warrior apparently gets his right shoulder up, thus making Hercules the legal man eating the pinfall, and Warrior picking up the victory. So, Gorilla and Ventura are all over this. Um, Hercules obviously doesn't have a clue. Heenan doesn't have a clue. They start celebrating as if they won, because it looked like he won on, on kind of like a bridge off the suplex. But the ref throws his hand down points at Warrior and says, no, he won, dummy. He had his shoulder up, and you are the loser, Hercules Hernandez. Pretty shitty finish. Um, I, I get what they were trying to do with it, but they didn't really build up well to the finish, so it just fell flat. Um, this match was bad, guys. Um, I, I think that Warrior didn't really work that well in this match at all. His selling was was just an atrocity. Um, he tried in a couple of spots to sell some spots that really shouldn't have had as much selling as some of the other ones did. Overall, just just not not good. Um, I think that uh, good friend Dave Melter gave this like a negative star and a half or something, and I don't know if it was quite that bad, but it was pretty bad. So, Warrior looked like shit for the most part. Um, his offense was clunky and poor. Um Overall, I'm going to give it a, a, a dog shit rating, um, which you know might be like a half a star or something. I'm not going to go negative with it, but not one that I'd go out of my way to watch, guys. Unless you're into big clunky power moves that uh, don't really lead to much um, at the end of the day. So thank you guys for having me again, and I look forward to talking to you
10: guys next month. Later. Hey now. Steve Bennett here from 3x5 with Steve Bennett, the Sportscasters Podcast, and the 24-inch Podcast with my man, Hollywood Dave, who I want to give a quick shout-out and congratulations to because he's doing his very first piece of content without me. I raised that boy from a pup, and he's a man now spreading his wings, and I'm proud of him. Glad he's on the show with us today. All right, my job today is an easy one. I have to tell everyone about the match between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Uh, Let's kick off the second round of the championship tournament. Remember, Jesse said in the beginning, it's all about the tournament, the tournament. And uh, we've come to the second round. The intermission has ended. I always loved those intermissions as a kid. I don't know why, but it popped me to see the countdown on the screen. And, you know, you go and go to the bathroom and get a piece of pizza and come back and do the countdown with your friends and cheer when they come back. But this match is right after the... um, Right after that intermission, and uh, we get a video package quickly running down some of the events in the history of Hulk and Andre's feud that started back in 87. Uh, Then we get Andre to the ring, and right away, right away when you see Andre with DiBiase and with Virgil, just like it was at the main event, you know Hulk is in trouble. Because he doesn't just have to... fight Andre. He has to fight Andre and DiBiase and Virgil, and you know it's not going to be a fair fight. You know that right away. Uh Andre comes down. We don't get a Hulk promo here. He's already done his amazing promo earlier in the night. Uh a promo I would say is in the in the in the conversation for best ever at a pay-per-view. So we already have Hulk's promo. He comes out next, huge pop, of course. Still super over in 88 here. And I just rewatched this match, and you know what? It's better than I thought it was. Um, it's it's not super long. Um, it has some really good pace and really good psychology and storytelling in the beginning. There's a there is a turn though, and unfortunately, Hulk and Andre end up on the ground, and Andre rolls over and gets Hulk in a chokehold, and it seems to go on forever. It kind of takes the momentum away from the match, uh, which I thought was pretty good up to that point. Um, finally, the action picks up again, and before you know it, you know Virgil's on the, Virgil's up on the railing, um, you know DiBiase's up on the other side. He's got a chair. DiBiase hits Hulk with the chair. Hulk no sells it, takes a chair from DiBiase and hits Andre just as Joey Morella turns around. So you think, oh shit, Hulk's Hulk's uh, disqualified here, but it seems like Joey's gonna let it slide. He takes the chair away, throws it on the ground. Andre picks it up, hits Hulk with the chair, and now Joey goes to the bell. And there's buzz. What happened? Is Andre disqualified because he didn't go for the bow when Hulk hit him? Jesse right away is in on this. He's like, they both hit him. They both used the chair. So then we get a little chaos. Hulk runs out of the ring. He chases down Virgil, who is thrown to the wolves by DiBiase. Viciously suplex him onto the floor. Looks like a hellacious bump there. Um, And then runs back into the ring where we find out that both men have been disqualified. And we find out just after intermission in the first match of the second round that the two favorites will not be winning the tournament. It's not going to be Hulk. It's not going to be Andre. Now, there'll be another time to debate this, whether this was smart, whether this was a good idea to get rid of Hogan and Andre already in this tournament. Uh, but that's what they did, and uh, that's it for Hogan, and that's it for Andre. We'll see them both again later. But that's it for them as competitors in the tournament, uh, and that's it for me on this this month's, yeah, the North-South Connections Curnoso <laughs> K- podcast. That's it for me on it. Uh, that's my job this week, short and sweet. See you next time.
0: Surprises, I cannot believe that one of those two men did not advance, but that's the way it comes down, macho man. You and Elizabeth and myself have been watching your thoughts. Hulk
11: Hogan is a cheated man, not a defeated man. In fact, Hulk Hogan has never been defeated. Not by me, not by you, not by Andre the Giant, not by Ted DiBiase, you understand? Why dare you? All right, now there is more to come. You have advanced, quite obviously, Macho
0: Man Randy Savage. Speculate, if you will, for us. On your chances, Greg, the hammer Valentine up in round
11: two. Well, I've had the blessings of the mania all along, and I'm figuring and thinking that nothing's going to stop the macho man Randy Savage now. The madness. Yeah, yeah, the madness with that momentum, and multiplied with the momentum of, uh, yeah, Hulkamania, nothing is going to stop one here for the mega powers from going all
18: the way to the end
11: all the way to the championship yeah i'm gonna take it all yeah i'm gonna take it all elizabeth am i gonna take it all or what
0: what what about it elizabeth
18: i believe he is
0: i'll tell you what you keep smiling that's got to be a great inspiration to the macho man randy savage as he advances in the championship elimination the tournament way. here at yeah. a wrestlemania 4. So right. jesse let's get back to you
2: Dude. hollywood that's our fourth baby face promo with gene
0: Gene's
12: doing He'd
0: them all. They do that a lot. lot. Uh, and then when
12: Sean Mooney would come in, they, you know, he, he would take over the heel ones on the pay-per-views a lot. Uh, they would usually give the baby faces to Gene. Not always, but uh, as we as we saw, you know, as, well, we haven't seen any heels yet, I don't believe, with Gene. Yeah, four Gene. in a row. Yeah. But I uh, got to love that Macho Man robe, the same one he wore when he faced Jake the Snake on that famous Saturday Night's Main Event match in 1986. And, um You know, uh, Savage and Hulk still on the same page here. Uh, Savage is going to need the Hulkster uh, a little bit later on. So uh, no lust in the eyes yet, or Savage hasn't noticed it yet. But he's thinking, thinking, thinking maybe a little bit about it. What do you say, uh, Rockin' Ryan, Elizabeth or Vanna White? Which one for you? Ooh. Now. Can't count now. Elizabeth's bones, brother.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say there's some similarities there. Um, uh, maybe maybe Van. I think she got a little more money. Not that that's all, but maybe. <laughs> uh, uh,
12: uh. it's close though. It is close. But both good yeah. women with similar figures, you yeah. know, similar similar. One's a blonde, one's a brunette. I usually, well, I hope uh, too many people aren't listening to this. Not that it would really matter, but I usually prefer blondes. But it doesn't matter. I like whoever likes me.
2: <laughs> but
12: um, I go with Elizabeth by a hair just because she's she's a professional wrestler.
7: Well, you can go wrong either way there, bro? Yeah, here you go. North-South Connection, welcome. Uh, I am a new voice here for the NOSO, as uh, Steve Riddle. You may have seen me before on a couple of other uh, pods before, or listened to me a couple of hours before, so I'm glad to be making my making my debut here on Carnoso as we are continuing our trek through WrestleMania uh, and Of course, we are currently in the throes of the WWF Championship tournaments. Uh, in the quarterfinals, of course, in our last match, we saw Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant go to a double disqualification, which was a major shocker. And also, and it is also a major shocker because the winner of the match I'm about to talk about will be getting a bye right to the finals, which would put them in the proverbial driver's seat. And the match I'm talking about is, of course... The Rock Don Morocco versus the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, both guys come out here ready to go. Morocco has got Superstar Big Ram with them, who's looking quite swank in his little uh, his pink tuxedo there. Morocco looking extremely geeked. Uh, DiBiase is out by himself because Andre's still cooling off from the previous match, and Virgil had just gotten his ass kicked by Hulk Hogan, uh, taking that suplex on the ramp. Uh, DiBiase doesn't want to get started, but Morocco pulls him under the apron and gets to work, ramming him into the buckles twice and slams into the ring as Jesse bitches about how that shouldn't have Counted because the match didn't start. Morocco on the, you know, on the check here. Clothesline, elbow, power slam for two. Pounding on DiBiase, then hits a back elbow. He's in complete control. Nails an elbow off the middle rope for two. Ramming him, in, rams him into the buckle again. Snapmare into a next snap, which looked pretty nice. DiBiase tries to beg off, but he gets slammed to the mat. After Morocco hoists his leg up. Nice standing drop kick by Morocco for two as Jesse and Gorilla continue to put over the importance of the fact that the winner of this match is going to get a bye to the next, right to the finals. Uh, DiBiase tries to roll outside for some for some regrouping, but uh, Graham scares him back into the ring, which Jesse calls out. Morocco continues to beat on DiBiase, whips him hard into the corner. Uh, DiBiase bakes off again, but then uses his legs to send Morocco over the top rope to the apron and a nice little bump there. Um, DiBiase stomps on Morocco and chokes him to take control. Nice clothesline for two. He catches him with a needed ribs and drops a fist on him twice for another two continues to choke and pound on him as, as Graham is chewing out the referee for the cheat, for the excess of cheating, Uh kick, uh, Morocco catches him ducking with a kick, um, but he's too hurt to continue. So Dibiase gets an eye break and a slam goes up to the middle rope it, and tries his little, uh, reverse back elbow that he never hits. He'll, he know he does not uh, he misses it and he misses it again. Uh, Morocco starts to fire up another hard whip in the corner, hits a big clothesline, uh, Uh, DiBiase begs off again and then gets a shot in Morocco goes into a headlock. DiBiase whips him off. Morocco knocks him down, but DiBiase then catches him coming in with a really nice stun gun. Count him good on that one. That is enough to get the three and DiBiase advances on to the finals. So, uh, decent little match there. It uh, goes about five and a half minutes. Morocco looks pretty good with his power offense. DiBiase sells well for him. But you figured um, DiBiase was probably going to win this match. Morocco got his token win in the first round and uh, ends up putting DiBiase over here. And now, as I said, DiBiase is now in the proverbial driver's seat because he has a buy right to the finals. And after uh, you know, what happened at the main events, and now what happens here, you're thinking to yourself, DiBiase is actually going to freaking win this tournament and win, become champion. But we'll have to wait and see because he still has one more match to go. He's going to face one of three men, either uh, the one-man gang who had gotten a bye to the semis, Greg the Hammer Valentine, or the Macho Man Randy Savage. So one of those four men are going to be your new World Wrestling Federation Champion, which we will find out as we continue on with this great pod. Um, so thank you for joining me. I know this was nice, quick, and easy, but it was pretty much a quick and easy express line match to get through. Um, you can make sure to follow me on all my uh, pods across the, the quad of pods between here, um, the PTB pop experience and the ptb wrestling feed and also be sure to check me out or to check out the ptb facebook group where we've got a lot of good stuff there including our greatest song of the 2000s tournament going on so be sure to check that out with that said i am steve Riddle. thank you for joining me and now let us continue on our trek as we wait to see who will face the one-man gang in the semifinals of the wwf championship tournament
8: all right and then we start the next segment and now the the mood of Bob Uker's changed a little bit. He's Now he's saying he's getting a little bit nervous about how he can't meet up with Vanna. Although, the last two segments he was talking about how they were talking off screen. So, I'm worried about Bob Eucher's honesty here. And then Demolition comes in and it talks about how they're going to take out Strike Force. And it ends with Bob Uker saying he's never going to eat sushi again either. He's always getting upset with these managers and swearing them off from things. So then he tosses it back out to Gorilla and Jesse for our next match.
19: Hi, Cronoso listeners. You have made it to this match deep in WrestleMania four. Uh, my name is Jennifer Smith. I'm here with my tag team partner, Logan Croslin. How are you, Logan?
20: Uh I am looking forward to going deep in. I like I like the sound of that, so <laughs> but yes.
19: <laughs> we decided to live watch this one, uh, just kind of change things up a bit, because usually we don't do that for this. Mm-hmm. And also, I did not have time to watch it, so uh, this is a good little workaround. Um, yeah,
20: everybody, everybody calls Tim Taylor the Czar on the draft episodes, but I think the real Czar is uh, Ryan Gray on these uh, chronicles. I would agree. There. Yes, <laughs> it's a lot
19: of work. A lot of work.
20: So one of the big things. Macho's about coming down
19: with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm
20: so, one of the big things with WrestleMania Four here with Savage and Liz is they change outfits uh, every every match, so they'd have a different robe and dress, combo every time. So what do you how would you rate the uh, pink we have here with uh, Liz and Macho?
19: I, I gotta say I really like it. Um, pink's not a huge color favorite of mine, but this looks really good. I really love the sparkles on mm-hmm. on Macho.
20: Yeah, they're they're really rocking it for sure. I think they had blue one at one point. I think that one's probably my favorite throughout the night. But this one is definitely a strong contender. He wears the, the jewels
19: same- on Liz are gorgeous.
20: Mm, absolutely, yeah. Savage wears the same tights the whole every match, but he mm-hmm. has like a different robe and headband deal. So and she definitely. And you said we're the- in the
19: semifinals, right?
20: This is the quarterfinals, actually. Quarterfinals. So in the first match, Randy Savage had beat Butch Reed and Greg Valentine had beat Ricky Steamboat. So everybody coming in, seeing the bracket, thought it was going to be Savage and Steamboat again as a rematch mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the previous year, but they pulled, a, they fast pulled a fast one on us and gave us Valentine and Savage, which is still a pretty good matchup, but Valentine's probably slightly past his uh, peak point, I'd say, at this point. He's really good, like, in the early 80s
19: would you call him earlier a turned out southern mom?
20: He has yeah, a uh, hairdo who gives me like turned out southern mom southern mom <laughs> feel so even more current day of course cuz he, yeah. he even kind of looks like one facially honestly too so
19: <laughs> he, he kind of does i mean i know the exact vibe you mean <laughs>
20: <laughs> but yeah this is uh this is savage's second match in his uh, four match night that he has going here
19: so, I expect him to definitely take it easy on old Hammer here.
20: Oh, absolutely. He won't, <laughs> go, with, he won't go with complete frantic yeah, yeah. energy like always. <laughs>
19: <laughs> I don't think he knows how to wrestle any other way.
20: I really don't think he does. I think you're right. Unless he's just truly worn out, which I don't think mm-hmm. is possible at the same time. Nah. Was <laughs> <there>. <laughs> that was such an exaggerated joke.
17: Yeah, <laughs> it was.
20: So Gorilla Monsoon's big thing with uh, Greg Valentine was I, I can't remember the exact number a minute amount, but I think it's either 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, it takes greg valentine 15 or 20 minutes to get warmed up, and warm then up. Re- that's when hes <laughs> that's when he's really dangerous so um his first match which went nine minutes so he needs this one to go at least I mean, <laughs> he needs this one to go at least a little bit over six Oh, like,
19: oh
6: that was good that,
19: that was sick yeah he's getting warmed up ain't he
20: mm-hmm so if, if he if he makes it best about the six minute mark, he'll be in like peak form, and he can really take it to Savage. So we'll see if that happens. <laughs>
19: <laughs> Savage will be getting tired right about. This, so <laughs> I don't know. Who. I, I would assume Savage wins this though.
20: Yeah. That's yeah. Safe, <laughs> he he may have a he may have a golden night also. But yeah, this this uh, these uh, orange-reddish tights are uh, pretty famous uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. savage look with the yellow boots. I like them. Yeah, the yellow boots. I don't know why I Beats. said it like that. <laughs> the boots. <laughs> <laughs> he wore these for like the next year or two. I think he even wears red or like a reddish-orange mm-hmm. at the next Mania, too, when him and Hogan face each other.
19: A lot of uh, elbow-based offense from Greg.
3: Mm-hmm.
20: Yeah, he's just striking the shit out of him. That's mm-hmm. this is a real warm up. He's gotta, yep. gotta get going once that's he gets warmed up. Mm-hmm. Once he gets warmed up, he'll start doing slams and submissions <laughs> and shit. <so. laughs> Dangerous man.
3: Oh, that's
20: why they call him the hammer. <laughs> It's been wonder. pretty
19: brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, he's he's been
20: uh, yeah he's been grinding and savage down pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh now he's choking him! That's Come
19: on, him. you can't choke him over the apron like that.
20: Yeah, you bastard! Liz is over there. Just leave Lady alone, please. Uh, that's her, her, her
19: whole vibe down. the whole time she's in wrestling.
20: Like I said last time, she has a resting terrified face. <laughs> yeah,
19: <laughs> that's so accurate. Mm-hmm.
20: She and, and like in WCW later on, she just seems all, always mm-hmm. displeased. So she mm-hmm. transitions from terrified to resting bitch face. So yes, but she's also still slightly terrified at the same time. So she's like terrified bitch resting face.
19: <laughs> yeah, just none of that is appealing to me. I don't know. I I've just never been a big Liz fan.
20: Gotcha. But you love Savage, so. Savage, yeah. Definitely a weird dynamic. Yep. But you you are you are also a huge fan of Sherry, so I am. That is kind of who replaces it's Liz the, for a bit at least. The
19: absolute <laughs> opposite, of Liz.
20: <laughs> yes, exactly. I watched I watched something of Sherry's that was from ECW the other day, and she actually absolutely blessed out Medusa, and I was so excited, and it made so me so hot. happy. Mm-hmm.
8: Oof!
19: Now oh, Savage doing his comeback.
20: Oh, no, up now he's charged.
19: We got we the go. inspiration.
20: Go. <laughs> oh yeah, we got the inspiration to do this live watch for uh, from uh, Keithy because he seems to we live did. watch all of the matches. Yes, so.
19: thanks Keithy.
20: You made it possible for us to do this. We we love mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Hope you're having fun in Italy. <laughs>
19: <laughs> he's never coming back. I don't think.
20: Yeah, from the way he's talking I think he's he's pretty much going to stay there So, I don't blame him Oh,
19: I think he'll find a nice Little Italian Person and, you know, settle down Just never come back
20: A nice little Italian person Is that like Nunzio? (laughs) (laughs)
19: Like Furio
20: Or little Guido, as he's called. <laughs> little him. Guido, yes. He will <laughs> find
19: his little Guido. <laughs> and then I'll call him little Guido the whole time. Oh, oh Savage missed time that That hurt. Got got rocked by the ropes.
20: Keithy, come over here and help me with the mutadella. Come on.
19: <laughs> all right, all right.
20: <laughs> Fine. I'll put oh, my Legos oh, down for just a minute. No!
19: Oh no! Nice. Oh
20: man! <laughs> got <laughs> Infuriating
19: you. finish. I love that. <laughs> That's great.
20: He he didn't want to he didn't want to uh, make the uh, elbow tired by the end of the night. So he no, had, no no no, their
19: elbows got completely worked over.
20: Mm-hmm. So he had to he had to find a different way to win that one, kind of escape a little bit. But I really
19: like that. I really like that. That was yeah, a fun match.
20: Absolutely, yeah. A lot of these a lot of these matches on this pay per view are pretty short, so they uh, don't really get time enough to cook, but I think that one for what time they had, which it didn't quite it went a little bit over six minutes, so he was almost warmed up, so he almost got to the point. <laughs>
19: almost really firing Sav- all off. <laughs> Savage rolled him up before he got it got fully
20: there. I think it was like the next second he would have really fired Yeah,
19: <laughs> That's why he was so mad when he got up. <laughs> he was like, damn it, I was almost
2: there.
20: <laughs>
19: well, it was really fun. Uh, I'm glad we did the live watch for that
20: one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely a good good, good time. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of stiff strikes on that one. Uh, probably wouldn't go too huge on stars on that one, but it was it was solid enough and probably one of the better matches on the card, honestly.
19: Well, give me that two and a half. I think.
20: Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Which All is right, like peak performance for this night. Yeah.
19: <laughs> yeah. Besides Vanna White, who's always a ten. Vanna
20: White. Um,
19: White. <laughs> uh, what do you have to promote quick?
20: Um, Linking up Luchas is a new show coming up uh, about Lucha Underground that we will be. Uh, you, you will be on there with me along with some others. Um, and then uh, we both do Talking Docs with Cowboy Roger. So um, that's a fun one. Got a new one of those uh, going to be recording pretty soon. So, and then Highway to the Impact Zone of the Play Simulation Wrestling feed.
19: All right. Condensed. I like that. Uh, Wednesdays here on no So are my days for Jenny Position shows. And um, if you would just leave a review um, on one of our social medias you can find us on twitter facebook TikTok, youtube especially subscribe to that and uh you can find everything at NorthSouthConnection.com. so i'm going to plug those real quick thank y'all for listening enjoy the rest of wrestlemania 4 all right guys
0: we've got action i gotta tell you that we've got action vanna white bob uecker's driving me nuts he's looking all the of this building for you and he still has some yet are you hiding by any chance i'm hiding i don't-
18: I don't know who we're talking about. You've certainly
0: heard of Bob Eucher. All right, maybe, maybe a little bit later on that. Vanna, what about everything that's been happening here in round number two? What a fantastic match between Hulk and Andre.
18: This was great. I really enjoyed it. But I told you, I still like Hulk. He's
0: I know you one. do. Now, here's a gentleman you didn't particularly care for. He has advanced, however, the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase over Don Morocco. He receives a buy by virtue of what happened in the Hulk-Andre match. Down here, Macho Man Randy Savage, You commented during the course of the match, what a tremendous inspiration Liz must be for the Macho Man. She
18: certainly is. I really like seeing them together and working together. And the more I see her, the more energy I see him him have. It's
0: kind of like you and I, Vanna. We I worked we very so. well yes. together. One man gang, by the way. Also in the in the third round of WrestleMania for the championship tournament. Let's get back upstairs.
2: Same old, same old, there with Gene and Vanna, but it's still
12: effective. It's kind of like you and me, Vanna, and then she goes—you know—she goes right along with it. She's doing a tremendous job, I think. And she—I I don't think she—you uh, know—I would know this more than you, being an '80s child. She didn't do any act acting, you know, besides well, she had to speak on the uh I was gonna say it's Price is Right, on a uh, the wheel of fortune, of course. Uh, she's still on that show to this day, or did she finally retire?
2: I don't say Jack retired. I think that she uh I'm not sure if she hung up the cleats.
12: Did they have an affair or was that just um the uh Bob uh Barker and uh the Play, playboy playmate girl Will from uh Price is Right?
2: Couldn't tell you, but I I, I wanna believe it.
12: Yeah, right into us here on the uh, North-South Connection, if anybody has a, any answers to an affair between Pat Jack and Vanna White. But she's doing a tremendous job here at uh, WrestleMania 4. Uh, her and Jean go well together. I'm surprised uh, they never had her back. Maybe uh, maybe they sniffed her in a check. And that WrestleMania payoff, brother. <laughs> you know, maybe she should have got together with Hulk. <laughs>
2: or maybe Gene was a little too friendly and they kind of, yeah.
12: <laughs> I'm all to, set. To, she seemed to not mind.
2: Yeah. She's playing it up. She's doing a really good here. She's a ham. She's great.
12: She's great. She's she's, she's one of the best. I mean, Mary Hart was very good uh, the year before, but we're seeing a little bit more of um, uh, Vanna. They had Mary Hart on commentary at WrestleMania three a little more uh, for for a ma- for one match and maybe a couple of backstage 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 things. But uh, Vanna's doing tremendous. I'm enjoying it
2: for sure. I believe we got one more Hollywood. Let's go check it out. Let's do it.
21: All right, Cronoso fam, it's Johnny D'Amato, uh, we're back at it with your uh, Cornoso monthly and uh, we've arrived at WrestleMania Four and we're in Atlantic City, New Jersey and it's uh, 1988-ish, uh, March, late March, uh, one little pop culture action, uh, top three songs, Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Endless Summer Nights, Richard Marks. Wow, another classic right there. And uh, number three, uh, I'm sure you kids know the song. Uh, I'm I'm sure you don't realize uh, the song was very popular. Never Gonna Give You Up, Rick Astley. I'm sure uh, a lot of you kids have been Rickrolled once or twice in your life. Uh, I'm I'm sure it's uh, still out there uh, even in this uh, century, uh, this decade. So uh, there you go with your little uh, pop culture there. Uh, I'm sure everybody loves that. And, uh, let's get to it. Uh, in between all the tournament and the shenanigans, we have have an intercontinental match. The greatest intercontinental, longest uh, reigning interna- intercontinental champion of all time, the Honky Talk Man, puts the belt up against Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And, uh, first, uh, the, uh, the champ is, uh, is introduced introduced first here in Atlantic city. And, uh, Jesse and gorilla, they banter over honky and Peggy Sue and, uh, dancing and, uh, Jimmy Hart, And, uh, Jesse gets over how, uh, honky is, the, is the luckiest wrestler alive. Uh, he's a very lucky wrestler, uh, gorilla. That was always uh, Jesse's, uh, a thing, uh, kind of, uh, explaining how, how honky sucks. And, uh, doesn't exactly have a great, great body and a uh, great this and that. And, uh, that's Jesse's big thing is that he's lucky. Uh, it's a good, interesting take, uh, for Jesse, uh, you know, you know, without saying the guy sucks, uh, but it's, it's, uh, pretty good, and also he breaks, a Gorilla's, uh, uh, balls, he's like, uh, hey, Gorilla, did, did you, I bet you danced like that, uh, you know, talking about Peggy Sue's, uh, dancing, and, uh, he, he always gets a shot in, and, uh, then we get the Brutus, uh, the barber entrance, and, uh, the crowd goes mild, uh, definitely, uh, not a fan of, of Brutus, and, uh, but, but then again, this is, this is a tough spot, uh. The the, uh, the Hulk-Andre match uh, took place. Uh, that, that didn't go too well with the both elimination kind of flat. So uh, you, you can understand. But in general, this Atlantic City crowd, oof. Ah, just uh, high-rolling, uh, rich uh, Trump suck-ups uh, whatever. Just a uh, uh, terrible, awful crowd uh, for, for these uh, couple of years uh, here in Atlantic City. Uh, it, it's good they never went back there. So the Brutus entrance with his dumb shears, you know the deal. And also another thing that made it less interesting was that Brutus didn't have the his uh, shitty entrance music. Uh, uh, maybe it's not so shitty. Some people like it, but a burp, burp, burp. Yeah, it was nothing. So it, it, it's kind of strange uh, looking back and watching a, an, an entrance with no music, especially in this case. The heel gets a gets his nice classic uh, honky tonk man, and uh, and Brutus gets a Nathan. So another thing working against him. Uh, and then uh, as Brutus enters, uh, Gorilla gives, gives a shout-out to a brain. I, I guess he missed the brain on commentary instead of Jesse because he's, 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 he says, oh, the brain says that Brutus's outfit looks like he uh, had a couple hand grenades that went off in his pocket. So, you know, one of Brain's classics that a Gorilla uh, gives credit to. That was nice. And then Jesse, uh, also uh, one of my favorite. Jesse shows a great family man. He shouts out uh, Terry, Tyrell, and Jade in Minnesota. And then a uh, gorilla says, "Oh, uh, Jess, I understand that uh, that your dog is named Prince." Uh, you know, getting on the Minnesota tip, and, and Jesse says, "No, you are misinformed." So, so Je- Jesse shot that that down, and uh, and finally, uh, well, we got to get to it eventually. Brutus and uh, Honky they uh, lock up, and uh, this is uh, if you want to go Google '80s style uh, match, uh, the, the, this match will probably come up. 80 uh, style uh, punches, uh, your your basic uh, moves, nothing uh, too strenuous. Uh, Hockey is a uh, legendary on his shoot interviews, you know, for saying he did as little as possible just to get the crowd heat, play heel, and uh, and and he was great at it, and uh, and of course. Uh, uh, gorilla calls a Brutus Brutai. That was his uh big thing. Gorilla liked to have his own uh, nicknames for everybody, and uh, Brutai. I guess would uh would that be a plural of Brutus? Uh, that there were two Brutus Brutuses. Uh brutai but uh, uh, please one, one brutus is uh is, is shitty enough to <laughs> very depressing uh, and uh brutai's big move is he messes up honky's hair uh, getting over the you know his big <laughs> shitty uh crappy haircut gimmick and and jesse correctly chides him he said brutus is more worried about the uh, cutting the hair than the ic belt which is uh which is a great point and, and that's one of my big things about brutus that he's always uh Motioning with the scissors and it doesn't you know cares more about the stupid haircut than the match uh, so I'm with you on that Jesse and then uh, a, a big spot Brutus uh, well it's supposed to be a big spot Brutus hits the high knee. that was the high knee sorry not the kneel uh, Bob and Neil. Brutus hits the high knee and that used to be his uh, finish, his big finishing man- maneuver when he was a heel that was uh, but in this case it's just, it's just another move the crowd doesn't react to it at all he never really uh, used it that much as a face uh his his thing was always to set up for that big big sleeper, but uh, you know, getting to that point, uh, Brutus is very limited uh, move set, and once again, I have to reiterate, crowd really dead, really dead. Whether it's Atlantic City or uh, I put it on the long tournament, and uh, the the depressing results that that Hulkster uh, isn't going to win the belt, uh, so it's all it, it kind of put a damper on uh, on this until uh, until we get to the main event, which. Uh, I'm sure somebody will chop up and uh, and speak glowingly about. So Honky uh, gets his little f- moves in, a nice uh, fist drop, and the one time where uh, Honky gets the crowd going with, with Brutus uh, laid out, Honky does his fist drop and he does his uh, he does his shimmy and a shaking, and that's uh, that. That was about the about the best crowd heat of the match. Uh, the, the crowd g- g- gives some nice uh, boos and hisses for the old uh, Honker, and uh, and then Honky goes for the shake, rattle, and roll. Uh, one of the shittiest. Uh, Finishing maneuvers of all time, and, and Brutus grabs a rope and stops him, and then uh, and then just kind of takes over him, and, and Brutus gets to sleeper on and, and it's in, it's right in the middle of the ring, and uh, and, and Jesse and Gorilla are getting excited, maybe Honky's gonna go down, and uh, but but Jimmy Hart uh, blatantly saves his uh, his charge there. Uh, he clocks the ref with the with the megaphone, and uh, and the ref is out, and uh, and Jesse calls it a brilliant move, and, I, and I'm surprised. Gorilla wasn't more outraged by it. It, it, was, it was just a blatant. Honky was about to go down. Re, the referee had a, referee was, was right there and uh, was by the ropes and, uh, and and Jimmy just clocks him and, and takes him down. So, but uh, I guess Gorilla was a little bored by this match uh, to, to work up much out, outrage. So then, uh, so then Brutus notices the, the ref down. Uh, honky's out from the sleeper. So uh, Brutus decides uh, that he wants to give Jimmy Hart a haircut, and this is a uh, am surprise. Usually, J- Jimmy Hart, w- when he was running from uh, you know JYD or uh, e- etc., whoever his charges were were against, uh, Jimmy would beat feet and, and would run right to the locker room real fast. But here he uh, he, he doesn't really get away from Brutus. He, he tries to he tries to crawl under the ring, and Brutus grabs him right away. Not not much of an escape attempt by uh, by poor Jimmy, and and then Brutus. Uh, uh, gains control of him And kind of like mounts him uh, on, on the stairs uh, As Jimmy uh, tried to grab Brutus's bag uh, With the uh, haircutting equipment And, and Brutus kind of lays him off And mounts him on the stairs uh, Very uh, a vulnerable Put Jimmy in a very vulnerable position uh, as, as Jimmy kind of flailed away Didn't really give much of a fight uh, And Brutus uh, cuts uh, cuts a lot of uh jimmy's hair it G- gives him an awful haircut while well, well, poor jimmy just flails and flails away and, and in the ring uh peggy sue's uh, uh throwing some water and reviving uh the, the uh, honky-tonk man in the ring and then uh, uh three reps uh come in to contain uh, brutus who after he got done with jimmy uh, i guess he was going to try to go to work on the honky-tonk man but, but he was revived and then jimmy to his credit his hair got chopped up real, really rough by, by Brutus, but but he ran right into Honky Tonk to make sure that his guy was uh was taken care of that he held onto the belt and uh and Honky and uh, Peggy Sue and uh, Jimmy they uh, flee the ring and uh, that's that the ref uh, they announced that Brutus wins by uh disqualification so not much my uh, star rating is uh who gives a fuck uh, because we're gonna go to a Coliseum exclusives exclusive after the match and we're gonna get uh, some interview action here all right girl, we've been trying to get a hold about this up jimmy hart
14: jimmy hart come on over here that was most embarrassing for our worldwide audience look i look like little lulu look at
22: the back of my head. don't
14: worry jimmy cover it up you don't let him see it you cover your head up don't you ever let them see that, Jimmy Hart. It's gonna get hard over this. The most time. embarrassing moment of anybody's life. The most embarrassing you're moment Brutus and barber will stoop to, stooped to any lengths. You're you're really do, humiliating's not the win. word for it. Why don't you use some bigger gold. and better you're adjectives there. than that? Cover it up, Jimmy. Don't let anybody see it. All I can tell you, Brutus and barber, you did what you said you were gonna do. You said you'd do some strutting and some cutting, but you did it on Jimmy Hart. You didn't do it on me. You didn't beat the honky tonk, man. You said you were gonna put me to sleep. You did it. But you didn't win. I still got the belt. I'm still the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. I'm the greatest of all time. I'll get you all for right, this, Barbara. Don't be sorry. Let's get up to the ring.
21: Now that is, uh, that is what you call a five-star promo. Uh, that, that's honky tonk man in a nutshell. He gets over the fact that, uh, that Brutus, uh, did, didn't, uh, didn't put him out. That Didn't cut his hair. And, uh, And he's still the greatest uh, Intercontinental Champion Of all time He held his belt And uh, he gets his heat back That's just a Pure magic promo Right there That's a That's a Coliseum Video exclusive Uh, You won't see that On a Peacock Network I don't know why That was cut out That was a that was a, a priceless post post match promo. Even with uh, Craig DeGeorge with a sore throat, breaking uh, breaking Jimmy Hart's balls about about the poor haircut, and then Jimmy saying he looks like little Lulu, which is like like a comic strip from nineteen forties. That's an ancient reference, and then <laughs> humiliated, and then the Hockey Talk Man goes, "Humiliated? Can't you come up with a better ad- adjective?" Just a Ball breaking, uh, Craig D- Craig George. We had the pleasure, uh, me and uh, Hollywood Dave Rollins, uh, at, at '80s Wrestling Con. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting, and uh, uh, talking to Craig DeGeorge George for uh, for a long time. He was uh, he was terrific, very genuine, uh, very friendly. Talked to us for a while, and, and and we had mentioned that day, and and he had said he remembered uh, because the day before it was a cold uh, day in uh, in uh, March, and uh, he was uh, doing the, the those promos and uh, those gimmicks on the boardwalk. Uh, I think you remember remember... Uh, seeing things with Mr. Fuji and the race, and he was out there and, and it was cold, and that's how he got his uh, sore throat. Uh, we, uh, we when we mentioned that, uh, just uh, a yeah, great time with uh, Craig DeGeorge George, and uh, and then that was the highlight for me. Was this uh, this post match? Uh, you could get it through uh, through other means. It's not on the network, but the uh, uh, all the stars in the world for the post match promo. So there we go, Honky Tonk Brutus uh, WrestleMania Four. This is Johnny D uh, and out.
13: Everybody, You know this this thing is really getting kind of serious now. I haven't been able to locate Vanna White and I I was supposed to.
11: Uh, Hi Andre. Hey my good buddy. Vanna you get me. You get the giant. The only professional wrestler who is still undefeated. And Hulk Hogan I'm proud to be it because now Ted DiBiase is on his way up. That's why he paid me for to keep you out of the tournament. Hogan and you are. And I know one thing, and that's why the people go to know, too. And that's why they go to remember, you are the ex-champion, Hogan. <laughs> well, there you there you have it. I still haven't found He Vanna is White. the ex-champion. Don't worry about Vanna White. Now, Hulk Hogan, Hogan is over. ha, ha, ha. Hey, how about getting your how about getting your foot off my shoulder? Uh, is...
8: All right, and then our next segment with Bob Eucher, and this is probably the most famous one. You see it a lot of times in WrestleMania history packages and whatnot. It is Andre the Giant walks. Is Bob Eucher again is lamenting how he's getting nervous about Vanna White, how she might be lost. Andre the Giant walks in and tells tell that. Don't worry about Vanna, you got me. And then he talks about how he was, how Ted DiBiase did pay him to keep Hogan out of the tournament. And Andre makes sure to laugh when he says you are the ex-champion. And then Bob Euker again, right away goes on to Vana White, and Andre again says Hoganmania is over, and then he does his great laugh again. And then Bob Uecker, still forlorn, asks Andre to get his foot off his shoulder and and it's of course andre's hand and he proceeds to choke bob uecker for about just three seconds and and, and bob uecker gives a great bug eye cell and this is like i said this is probably the most famous part of the wrestlemania backstage segments and it's classic for a reason great great work by both of these men
23: hello kelly nelson here emerging from the podcasters graveyard to wrap with you. fine folks about the six man tag from WrestleMania four on one side. You have our heroes, the British bulldogs dynamite kid and Davey boy Smith along with their bulldog Matilda. And they are partnered with Coco beware accompanied by Frankie, the parrot. And on the other side, the bad guys, we got Tama and Haku, the Islanders, and they are teamed up with their manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now, this match was a few months in the making. There was an angle on the December 26th 1987 episode of Superstars, where the Islanders and the Bulldogs had a match, and during that match, Heenan kidnapped, or dognapped, Matilda and ran to the back. And the next week, Jack Tunney, president of the WWF, stated that if the Islanders and Bobby Heenan did not return Matilda to the British Bulldogs, they would be or until they returned Matilda to the British Bulldogs, they would be indefinitely suspended. And I looked around on the history of WWE.com to sort of get more info on this feud. I remember the the big picture stuff, but I don't remember the little details. And there's actually not too much um, on that site about it. Eventually, the Islanders are reinstated, And it seems like they just gave Matilda back to the Bulldogs. But there was a period where the Islanders would come down to the ring with a dog, with a leash that was supposed to be um, leading Matilda, but it was an invisible Matilda. So it was just this leash, you know, dangling kind of, it was stiffened to make it look like there was an invisible dog And I don't know how long that went on for. And I know there was interviews. I I saw this briefly on YouTube a few days ago. I didn't watch the whole (laughs) promo or or really any of it, just other than the avatar uh, image or the thumbnail image for the video. And uh, it's clear that Davy Boy Smith's really broken up about this and, and, and sobbing, while I guess Dynamite's the one who's got a keep a a stiff upper lip and keep it together and deliver a stern warning to the Islanders to return Matilda. And at some point they did because Matilda is with the Bulldogs as they come out for this grudge match. And right away, the Islanders come out first with Heenan and we see that Heenan, in a great touch, is wearing what Gorilla Monsoon on commentary calls an attack dog outfit. And, of course, Gorilla is totally outraged. Um, But this is great, of course, uh, Heenan, to get heat for being so cowardly um, that he would resort to wearing this attack dog outfit. And uh, one thing that struck me here was the Islanders' music, which is um, sort of like Kamala's, you know, a bunch of random jungle sounds. And I just, I don't remember that at all. I don't know how long they had this music for. Maybe they had it for quite a while, but I don't remember it. And this is coming from a guy who once had a podcast called Tag Teams Back Again, where we watched a lot of Islanders matches, uh, myself and the great Marty slees And we, we devoted a lot of time to the Islanders. We even reviewed this match from WrestleMania 4. I don't remember reviewing it, but I checked the uh, archives of Tag Teams Back Again, and indeed we did review it. But I don't remember the music. Anyway, the Bulldogs come down with Coco and there's no bell to start the match. So someone uh, forgot to do that. Um, WrestleMania four, not exactly the greatest of all WrestleManias. Um, and this is another uh, <laughs> part to it. Maybe they forgot to, uh, to have someone be the, the bell ringer for the evening. I don't know. Anyway, dynamite kid comes in hot start. Um, yeah. The, the baby faces dominate As uh, babyface tag teams were wont to do at this time, you get a long heel and peril sequence. Both Bulldogs get to shine. Coco tags in and gets a nice shine. And we have a pretty great collection of talent here. I just want to mention this before I go any further. You know, the Islanders, I've always liked them. They're an underrated great tag team. They were around for probably about a year and a half total. Uh, but they really came into their own with the heel turn in May, I believe, of 1987. And uh, Tama really was a great heel, had great heel facial expressions. And um, unfortunately, they didn't last too long. Tama left abruptly, not too long after WrestleMania IV. And then Haku, of course, had a pretty famous run as King Haku, And um, later, you know, becoming like this great, legit, tough guy and and, and in a lot of like stiff matches uh, in WCW with Barbarian and such um, as a tag team there. And the Bulldogs, of course, had a great run, but that was a few years in the past. Dynamite Kid was sensational at his peak in the late 70s, early 80s, um, but back issues had sabotaged his career. And then you have Coco Beware, who was great in Memphis in the early 80s and in Mid-South, and he came to the WWF. He was super over, but he wasn't really ever given too much uh, to sink his teeth into. And, you know, he rarely lost, but he he just rarely ever uh, got into anything, um, any meaningful feuds or, or matches, really. And that's a shame because he could really go... And then, of course, you have Bobby Heenan, one of the greatest managers of all time, but also a great wrestler in his own right. Uh, We don't have the footage necessarily to judge just how great he was as a wrestler because his peak in that regard would have been in the 60s and 70s. But there is enough, I think, out there to see that, yeah, if, if we indeed had more footage we'd be considering him as like this dual threat all-time great manager and maybe an all-time great wrestler as well and heenan's um you know great in this uh in the the dog the anti-dog attack dog outfit and um yeah and then on commentary this is gorilla and jesse and i was uh if i'd have been uh, having something to drink, or had something in my <laughs> drink in my mouth at this time, I've done a spit take at Jesse's line of Heenan looks like a Chinaman. Which, yeah, we've come a long way. That's all I'll say about that. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, if I was to go back and, and listen to a lot of WWF matches and other uh, matches <laughs> from this era, I'm sure uh, there'd be a lot of uh, things that would sound pretty strange to modern ears and that one yeah that one hit me like a punch in the face back to the match i uh, of course tags in when uh finally the the baby face are incapacitated so he can get in a couple of uh, cheap stomps and then immediately tags out so yeah no nothing sustained from him some more random observations coco beware's trunks have wwf in small letters on the the back for some reason. I I know he's worn these trunks a few times. I just wonder what his reasoning was when he had these made. It's like, what do you want on your trunks, Coco? Oh, just WWF will do. That's, you know, where I wrestle. Um, Heenan taking great bumps from Coco's offense. And the Islanders, so here we go to the finish. It's not a very long match, just uh, under eight minutes. The Islanders cheat, of course, And uh, Coco is disabled. The Bulldogs are out of the ring. And to add insult to injury, to make this like a totally great heel win, they drop Heenan on top of Coco. So when the referee finally comes around to making the count, Heenan gets the pin on Coco. And the Islanders and Heenan win this match. This is something that I remember when I saw this as a kid, you know, 10 years old. For the first time, just being totally outraged that you know a non-wrestler, a manager uh, like Bobby Heenan, <laughs> got the win in a match. Um, I it would just I was so into it kayfabe at that time, and so much for the good guys that this just you know angered me to no end. But of course, it's a great, great heel finish. And you may wonder, like, why didn't the Bulldogs and Coco win? You know, shouldn't they have got vengeance finally for the whole Matilda angle? But they did run rematches of this after WrestleMania. So they wanted to keep the heat on the heels. Um, The only problem is, uh, I think Tama was still with them for a few weeks and maybe was part of some of the rematches. But he left. Um, they actually brought in Sivioffi as a third Islander just before Tama left for like a ceremony in the ring or maybe in like a, a match, I guess, on, on Superstars. And then after Tama left, of course, Sivioffi took Thomas' place in the six-man tags. And uh, the only one I, I've seen is from Philly, from the Spectrum, uh, probably about a month after this, maybe into May. I'm not sure. Exactly, but it's uh, Haku, Afi, and Bobby Heenan again in the Attack Dog outfit against the Bulldogs and Coco um, in a basically a rematch from WrestleMania 4. So they did run it a few more times, and then the Sivioffi version of the Islanders didn't last very long because I think he was released, or he left, I think released because maybe of drug issues. Anyway, well, I don't want to start any rumors here, but the Islanders were no more. And like I said, this wasn't much of a match. It's, it was, you know, not super highly important in the grand scheme of things for the whole card. And, you know, WrestleMania four is famous for having, or infamous for having, you know, not the greatest of crowds. A lot of non wrestling fans, apparently were in the crowd who got free tickets from Trump's casino. There's not much heat. Like the acoustics were just horrible. And even for the matches that had Hogan and and, uh, Savage and and Andre and stuff, there was not a lot of heat. But uh, there was not much heat at all for this match. Anyway, great collection of talent Um, at varying degrees of their peaks. Some passed their peaks, some still had their peaks yet to come. And then you had, of course, Bobby Heenan, one of the all-time greats. And that was always a treat. So that's all for me. Take care, everybody. I'm sure you'll hear my voice again on one of these shows, somewhere down the line. Peace.
15: Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if I may have your attention for just a moment, I would like to direct your attention to the
13: WrestleMania Four banner. I would like to acknowledge the presence this
11: afternoon of truly one of the greats, the one and only
14: Jesse The Body. And Hollywood. The
2: rumor is that that's you on a Saturday night at the bars with same outfit, trunks, uh, Zumba's <laughs> fucking white beater, bandana, double by bi- biceps, just staring at the blondes, the brunettes. And then you're, you just, you need a bat to swat them all away. Is that true?
12: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, maybe at one time, maybe at one time brother, but I still have my moments every now and again, but I'm getting a little up there nowadays, but, uh, let me say something about about Jesse. Oh, actually, I've had a, a little little midlife crisis lately with the uh, going out and partying. But I'm trying to uh, calm that down a little bit, but uh, we'll see. But um, anyway, Jesse, Jesse's one of the few people that is a he remains a heel while the fans still love him. You know, oh the beginning of Superstars, Jesse, Jesse, you know, Predator, all the movies. Usually once somebody is popular, with the fans, Vince turns them, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, this, that, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, like if Bobby Heenan got up there and did that, it would have been, you know what I mean? But Jesse mm-hmm. was over over with the fans, but remained the heel on the mic, which is uh, very, very odd. Uh, I guess you could say Savage did that uh, for a little while after WrestleMania 7, after reuniting with Elizabeth. He was a heel on the mic at first uh, and was, you know, liked by the fans. while well, he's going to marry Elizabeth, but then eventually he'll you know, turn into a full, full-fledged baby face on the mic.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I always loved Jesse, even as a kid. Uh, I just think he's the coolest dude ever.
12: Yeah, Jesse's uh, one of a kind. I, I was very, 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 very upset when he left WWF. love Roddy Piper, who took his place on the mic. But, uh, you know, I love Roddy Piper as Roddy Piper, but I want Jesse as in on commentary. It, it took a long time okay. for me to adapt to uh, to that change of no Jesse.
22: All right, Cronoso. Johnny C here, back uh, for some more tournament coverage. Now, I know that at this point we are very, very deep into our coverage of Wrestlemania 4 and its multitude of matches, but I'm I'm very honored to be here on this day uh, because I've been given the privilege of covering both semi-final matches of the Historic World Wrestling Federation Tournament. So, with no time to waste, let's get started. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, is in the ring! wearing his patented pull-apart million-dollar man suit. He laughs, spiking the camera. The referee touches his hand, and he raises his hand. It's over! Ted DiBiase has defeated. Bye! And we'll be moving on to the finals of the tournament. Ted DiBiase leaves the ring, and it looks like it's already time for our next matchup. Well, one semifinal down, one to go. Here comes the doctor of style, Slick, leading his progeny, the one-man gang. No theme music, of course, for the one-man gang. He's not yet the dream of an African nation, or an African continent, I suppose I should say. Uh, He's just the one-man gang from the streets. Uh, Just see the body Ventura, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure you heard, just got done posing. And he comes back to commentary all fired up. You know, I ain't got to take no backseat to Hogan, Monsoon. Did you hear that crowd? I might have to come out of retirement. You know, if us wrestling fans had a nickel for every time Jesse the Body Ventura threatened to come out of retirement, we may have an extra dollar and some change on our hands, folks. Who could possibly challenge the one-man gang? This man! The Macho Man Randy Savage! Oh yeah! He's fresh off of defeating Greg the Hammer Valentine in the quarterfinals. And of course the Macho Man emerges with Liz. Now if you've been following, you know that the Macho Man and Liz have been changing up their color scheme every time that they come out here in Trump Plaza. This go-around, we're dressed in black. And they both look very sharp. Now... I gotta warn everybody here, this might trigger you, because I've got a bit of a conspiracy theory for ya. Do you think, perchance, that once rumor spread that Miss Elizabeth was going to have five outfit changes tonight, that Hulk Hogan called his good friend Bubba the Love Sponge for some security tips? Because after all, Liz arrives at the arena in her civilian attire and then has to wear four different outfits... Uh, oh, shit, I just spoiled the match. Nah, that's okay. That's fine. But you gotta imagine that the hawkster made that very important phone call. Uh, you uh, hold on, let me down here. Uh, yeah, it's ringing, dudes. Hold on. Yeah, I have a large bun here. Oh, oh Bubba Love Sponge, dude. Hey, it's Hulk Hogan, brother. Now, look. I know we've been talking about different things that we could get on video cassette, dude, brother man. But let me tell you, Miss Elizabeth, she's going to, she's going to be getting naked like four times, dude. You think you could hook me up with some of them uh, thingamabobbers we've been talking about, dude? Anywho, even though the Macho Man's cape is black and Liz's dress is black, his tights are pink. Why not black? I think that would have looked pretty fucking cool. Jesse the Body thinks that the one-man gang has the advantage because he's fresh off of a buy. The crowd, well, they're kind of silent, as they are for a lot of this event. Jesse wonders, based on the lovely attire of Miss Elizabeth, if Mrs. Donald Trump might be jealous of Miss Elizabeth. Jesse, let me just put this to rest once and for all. Any woman that is married to Mr. Donald Trump is jealous of every single person on the planet That is not married to Donald Trump. Facts. A big weight advantage here for the one-man gang, says Gorilla. Uh, But the macho man has the heart advantage, Jesse. I actually don't know if that's factual information, Gorilla, because the macho man's heart would eventually... You know, I don't want to get morbid here, so let's just press on. The bell rings and we're underway with a lockup both men tussling for the advantage. The one-man gang gets Savage in the corner, but misses a big roundhouse right, and Savage immediately goes to work with another lockup. Strange moment here as the referee creates separation between the two men, like actually gets involved. Come on, ref, that's not your job in there. The Macho Man, Randy Seven, grabs the one-man gang's beard, and ladies and gentlemen, with beard in hand, the Macho Man runs toward the top rope leaps over it and does the draping Macho Man clothesline move with the beard. Oh, I love it. I really do. Amazing innovation from the Macho Man. you got to imagine that's something they talked about ahead of time. And, and, you know, upon watching this, and this is just a side tangent, it won't be long, I promise, the Macho Man's over-the-top rope clothesline maneuver is, is such an awesome secondary specialty move. Think... And I know the People's Elbow eventually became a finish, okay? But think like, The Rock's People's Elbow, Scotty Too Hotty's The Worm, Road Dogg's Shaky Leg Knee Drop. I mean, a lot of people have these things, and I'm not saying that Road Dogg and Scotty Too Hotty are fucking comparable to the Macho Man, okay? But I just love one-off individual moves that only one person does. All right. So, back in the ring, the one-man gang drives the Macho Man into the buckle and starts punching his kidneys, shades of Farouk and Ahmed Johnson. The one-man gang is in control, measuring his man. It's all like, punch! Walk around. Punch! And then he gets Macho in the corner and does some, like, tiny avalanche clotheslines that slam Savage into the buckle. Savage is now sitting in the turn bu- in the corner, uh, kind of in like a stink face or bronco buster position. The One-Man Gang picks him up and hits another clubbing blow, and then body slams Savage. And we've got our first near-fall encounter of the matchup uh, with a lateral press from the One-Man Gang. Oh, but the Macho Man has his foot on the ropes. I mean, you can't say a uh, lateral press, uh, you know, pinfall type maneuver. You can't say a uh, pinfall situation without sounding like uh, Jim Ross. Now, great moment here, because the ref won't count due to the foot on the ropes, and the one-man gang just goes, What? A rare speak from the one-man gang. He drops an elbow. One, two, three. And I can't believe it, folks, because the Macho Man kicks out. What heart in this man. His adrenaline must be flowing. The One-Man Gang goes for another body slam, measures, and goes for the 747. He leaps, but Savage rolls out of the way. The Macho Man is in the corner. Oh, but the One-Man Gang goes for the avalanche, but Savage is out of the corner. The One-Man Gang rams, surfers, into the buckle, shades of the hitman! man. Macho Man hits his rabid Macho Man jabbing punches. Uh, the one-man gang is stuck in the ropes, but he's not tangled in the ropes. Kind of unique. The Macho Man hits a running double axe hammer that sends the Kang... Uh, the gang, I said the Kang. Sends King the Conqueror down! Now Jonathan Major is facing legal troubles now! Oh! That's what happens when you ad-lib. Uh, so the, the one-man gang is over the top rope and on the floor. The Macho Man goes to the turnbuckle and dives off the top to the outside with a big ax boomba! The Macho Man rolls in. Slick helps get the One-Man Gang inside. Because remember, even if you're counted out, you're out of the tournament. The Macho Man makes a big mistake, shades of Jack Slater, and tries to body sla- <laughs> Big mistake, shades of Jack Slater. You know, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but I like that one quite a bit. It's a big mistake because the Macho Man can't uh, body slam the One-Man Gang. One-Man Gang hits the neck hang and then slams Savage onto the ground. Now, the Slickster... Uh, is, like many of us, attracted to Miss Elizabeth, and he goes to talk to her in the corner. Liz stands on the apron, looking for some respite. The one-man gang begins to approach. The referee starts to admonister the doctor of style, and is now admonistering Liz, and not paying any attention to what's happening in the ring. Slickster gets up on the opposite side of the ring. The Macho Man sees this and starts to choke him. But the doctor of style tosses the cane to the one-man gang. The one-man gang has the cane raised in the air. He's going to pearl heart. Er, The one-man gang is going to attack the macho man from behind with the cane. And he does. Another vicious cane shot. Savage is down. The cane is lifted, but Savage rolls away. One man gang lifts the cane to slam again, and Savage rolls away. Savage rolls away again! The referee turns around and doesn't actually see the one man gang hit the macho man with the cane, but he calls for the bell nonetheless, and it appears that the match is over, and the macho man, Randy Savage, is going to the finals. Pity you gotta protect the one man gang here, but I guess you gotta have someone to sell tickets with when the. Actually, I won't spoil the ending of the pay per view for you. The one man gang post match does get in some cane shots which would set up the Macho Man as a sympathetic babyface and extremely weak for the finals. The Macho Man has won the battle, but it appears he may lose the war to the heels here in the WWF that are in the tournament. The One-Man Gang embraces the slick center ring, hugging, you gotta love it. But wait, I was wrong! They're not going for a Savage, is the Is God damn it. <laughs> They're not going for Savage, is the underdog who's going in the finals hurt. Because Savage is on a top rope, feeling just fine, and hits a double axe to the one man gang. Gravity prevails, and the one man gang squashes the slickster in the center ring. Macho Man and Liz head to the back and await the big finals of the tournament, which will be the Macho Man versus the Million Dollar Man, the Battle of the Mans! Gorilla tells us we're going to talk in the back with Mean Gene, which means my time with you is over. Before I go, though, I want to let you all know that as this episode drops, the latest edition of the Multiverse of Fabulousness starring myself and Keithy Langston should be available right here on the North-South Connection Podcast Network. Multiverse is bringing you a big special this time, Cinema Slam. What the hell is Slam? It's a lot of fun. Keithy and I did a 32 movie tournament we took 32 movies that contain a performance from a professional wrestler and we just sort of worked them through a tournament of which movie do you kind of want to watch now on a rainy day not which is the best movie not which movie has the best performance from a wrestler just 32 random movies that have a wrestler and hey I'm bored Let's watch one of them. It was a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and some crazy special appearances from some some B, not you know B, from some like D-list celebrities. Check it out; you'll have a good time. Ah, guarantee. Also, my personal podcast feed, the new TNN, where I recently covered the Suicide Squad from 2016, Ugh. and should be releasing an episode on In Your House: Buried Alive very soon. I'm Johnny C. And the winner is you.
0: All right, Vanna White. Wheel of Fortunes, Vanna White. Thank you. It has been a pleasure working with you. Just absolutely the greatest. Here we go. You saw how it happened. Ted DiBiase getting into the final via a bye. Macho Man Randy Savage over the one-man gang. So that is your final, the one we've been thinking about here on WrestleMania. Where is she? Bob Euchre? <laughs> She's here.
23: <laughs> Where no,
0: is she? No, no, I got bad news for you. Vanna White just left. She's hey, going told out me from... she was just here, how you missed her.
13: You of all guys, not my buddy. G- Come on. Hey,
0: you've Come been on, going Gino. all over this building, ah. scouring this building for ah. Vanna White. And I'm sorry, pal, I have to tell you this, Bob Euchre. I don't know if she wants to see you. She wants to see me. She wrote me all kind of letters. She wrote two letters? Yeah, some guy named Vance White. No, no, no. no. This is Vanna White from Wheel of Fortune. Bob Euchre. I'm sorry. Let's get back to Gorilla and Jesse. I'm sorry about that, pal. I don't know what to tell you.
2: Hollywood, poor day. Uh, poor Bucher missing out on Vanna.
12: Yeah, uh, that joke kind of fell flat there. I still, still kind of don't get it. If he knew it was some guy named Vance White, why would he think it's a beautiful woman, Vanna White? But still fun stuff. I love that they have the ongoing gag going on through the event. Kind of reminded me of uh, what a couple years later with Sapphire being missing at SummerSlam 90. I think that's the, one of the major things that's missing from today's modern wrestling. I don't watch modern wrestling at all anymore. I mean, I may peek in on WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, that kind of thing. But um, so I'm a little ignorant to it. So maybe they do do it. So if they do, I apologize. But I don't think so. I think that the fun stuff like this has been has been taken away. But um yeah, this this was a nice gag going through the whole thing. And you see uh Mean Gene I eyeing her up uh, when she leaves there. Uh, that's the best way to say goodbye to Mean Gene for the night, I think. Do you but did you get the Vance White part? I I don't get that. I don't
2: I do not get that either. I was I gonna don't.
12: ask you about it. But maybe uh, Steve Bennett, maybe Vance White, some baseball player or something. I have to ask the sportscasters to Steve Bennett and see what well, he has well, to say well, about that. But well, saying well, some Yeah, <laughs> but saying some guy. It's like, okay, like some guy. Like you call him Van Wet a guy here, brother? you know what's going on yeah but uh yeah yeah We're swinging gene, to yeah swinging a minute there you go perfect perfect analogy for that uh but yeah uh well me and gene did a great job there i'd have to say my favorite i'll have to be biased will be uh him and hulk uh oh, you know with the, with the backstroke and the donald the trump and all that yep. kind of stuff yeah we we have to go with that that for number one but then all the Vanna stuff. uh uh, was was excellent too. She did it. I think she did a phenomenal job. It was one of the best. Uh, I think when people talk about great WrestleMania celebrities, she's kind of forgotten about for uh, these uh, skits that she did with Gene here. She did a really great job, and and she was into it. Like you, you see, like years later, uh, uh, Pamela Anderson. You could tell like she wasn't into it. And um, who's the girl from nine hundred two one zero? Jennifer Jenna, Jenny Garth. She wasn't. You know, she wasn't into it. At I think I was at WrestleMania ten. Yeah, it was WrestleMania ten. And, uh, but, yeah, um, Vanna White was, she was, she was all about it. So she was, she was a really good, uh, uh mix there with Mean Gene and the Uke, brother.
2: Oh yeah. All right, Hollywood, Dave, we appreciate
12: you, brother. Love you, brother. Appreciate you too, man. Thanks again for having me on here. It's a hot summer night here in New Jersey. Let's see if Hollywood can find a way to get the hell out of work and cool off. What do you think?
2: Uh, I think it's time. See you, pal. All
12: right, rocking brother. Take care.
2: All right. Thanks, Hollywood. All of this uh, down.
12: All right, let me know
2: when it's what it's up. Yep, no problem. That, that's oh, this is coming out uh, Sunday night. Huh? Sunday night. Sunday night.
12: Uh, yep. Um, Sunday or Monday? What's going on?
2: Sunday night. All
12: right, just, just just message me. All we'll
2: right, do. I appreciate you. We'll do more again. All right. Okay. All right, later, got it,
12: brother. Later. Later, Bell. You got it.
8: Alright, and then we get to the final tournament setup and we have Gorilla. I mean, sorry, not Gorilla, Jean and Vanna White looking it over. And Vanna is very excited. She likes Macho. She likes Elizabeth. So she is excited and she has to go. And then just as she's leaving, Bob Euchre runs in. And Mean Jean tells him, you know, I don't know if Vanna White even knows who you are. And Euchre says she's been writing him letters. And then some guy he said it was some guy named Vance White. So I'm not really sure, the the payoff is that he he's not a creepy stalker, that he got confused with Vance and Vin, Vanna White, I don't know, it's kind of a goofy ending here, but then he comes out to, he does do the ring announcing again, very well, I must say, and he does get the kiss from Vanna White, so all is happy at the end. Alright, thanks, hope you enjoy the
24: show. North-South Connection YouTube! Hey, it's me. It's Aaron. And we're back with Cronoso, And I'm very lucky. Uh, I feel fortunate to be dealing with the semi main event of WrestleMania 4, that being Strike Force defending the WWF tag team titles against the demolition. Now, WrestleMania 4, for people of a certain age, is one of those um, quintessential experiences, I think, because I mean, pay-per-view was, I don't want to say it's infancy, but it was pretty new still. And I think so many of us have that experience of going to the video store and renting those two tapes. And this was right in the infancy of my own fandom, right? I started watching wrestling um, in the fall of 1987. And in Canada, we didn't have pay-per-view. So this was like, I watched the build to this WrestleMania. I watched... The main event where Hogan lost the belt. I watched the Rise of Savage. And so I was pumped,, uh, but I didn't get to see or hear anything about it until months later when we got the tape. Well, actually, I probably read about it in the magazine, so I was getting the magazines at that point. But um it was such a special event. And even though comparatively it's it's not a it's not a great wrestlemania, or at least most people don't think it's great, it's it's a wrestlemania I'll always love because I must have watched it a million times. and it it represents, It represents like the innocence of my fanhood, fandom fanhood, you know what I mean? The idea being that like, I'm just so locked into this show because of of what's happening on the show, not because the matches are great or something's five stars, but just because like everything that's happening feels so important and I'm invested in it. And I wasn't just invested in Savage, and I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I find that for me, the the champions <laughs> when i started my phantom are like always my champions so hulk hogan is always my wwf champion i mean i'll see other ones come and go and I, maybe i think others might be better but he's my champion he was champion when i first got in same with honky tonk man and same with strike force now strike force is an interesting case because they had just been put together they went around that long and then they won that title and i think they were already champions by the time or at least uh, they were the first ones that I not, I I realized were champions by the time I was watching. So they'll always be special to me. I always love that team. I went out of my way to buy the um the Jacks 2 pack of uh Strike Force when they I bought it like 3 years ago, but I was like fuck I paid way too much for it. But I was like I need to have Strike Force. They're never going to make Strike Force. So Strike Force was my were my champions. Uh, but it's it's an interesting thing that I was never upset that they lost even though they lost to the heels and this was like the second title change I'd ever seen. So in my head I was like, "Oh man, all the good guys are losing." <laughs> like I felt awful cuz Hogan had just lost in February, now Strike Force is losing. Nobody's beating Honky. He's been champion forever. So here we come to this this um this match. It's the second to last match on the card. It's been a long night. Um but the Demolitions music hits and it wakes the crowd up. The crowd's been through a lot tonight. A lot of kind of, they they sat through Jake and Rick Rude, you know. So the fact that these guys, that they still have any energy left in them is a miracle. So they come out and Demolition already, when they're coming to the ring, they're looking like goddamn killers. They're walking slow. They got all that gear on. And Jesse, Jesse right away on commentary is bragging, oh, Demolition's going to win. And I know it's like a heel says that, but like the combination of Jesse saying it, who the opponents are, and seeing these two monsters, like, saunter to the ring. Yeah, like, yeah, I think Jesse's probably right on this one. Because they're fucking music. Demolition's music is so cool. Like, it's it's so cool and interesting. It's got that heavy beat. It fit perfectly with everything. You can even forgive the stupid lyrics. I mean, they weren't even that dumb. But, like, basically I'm just so enthralled with all of it. Um, I also cannot believe to this day that no one ever got punched with those uh, spiked fists. Like at least once. Can we get one of those punches? The road warriors are putting people's eyes out with their shoulder pads. We can't get one punch. Um, And just when I think the best song of the night is played, Girls in Cars plays. um, And out comes smiling Rick and Tito hustling, hustling to the ring to this music. If this was a battle of theme songs i'd have a very hard time picking the winner girls in cars is like another one of those i always wanted to do a music video of a guy um listening like he's singing the song and he's listening to it in his car but he's getting so enraptured with the girls that he keeps getting into accident after accident until he's paralyzed i know most people don't find a lot of humor and paralysis but i do for whatever reason um <laughs> i and and like just when they do the, they do this kind of thing where they pan out from the ring and you see both teams in the ring and the, the contrast between the teams is insane so like demolition is like grounded and strong and strike force is way too happy to be there like martel's doing his like his thing where he claps and he, yeah, he does his arms like like he's he's doing some sort of chicken row i don't know what that is but they're really happy um which which obviously it, it, it it's stupid is a comparison but it reminds me of apollo creed when he comes to the ring to fight ivan drago like he's just yeah he's happy. He's like. I bet if they had offered strike force a dance number with cars they would have taken it and then they would have been murdered in the ring gorilla and jesse start on one of the arguments i hate the most about not being able to tell demolition apart this isn't important yet uh, because you know later they're gonna do crush and they're gonna do that whole thing which one is which even though their bodies are completely different but forget the bodies their face paint is always completely different smash has those weird triangles going everywhere and axe is like fuck it, silver and he puts silver and then black, like shoe polish. He probably went all shoe polish, and then Roddy Piper was like, man, you shouldn't do that. Um, I won't do any impressions. I'm really sorry. Um, Smash at the start, they start the match, and Smash just starts pounding Martel. Bam, bam. And it's at this point, when he starts pounding on him immediately, you hear the, the visceral, deep yell of the men in the audience. Yes! Oh. And he just starts pounding and pummeling away. Nice lost art of announcers here. In that, Jesse and Gorilla get into an argument about rules. Like Strike Force is double teaming someone, and they go for a pin. And Jesse's like, um, Jesse's like, oh, that shouldn't count. Anyway, it, it, what they're arguing about isn't isn't necessarily important. But I love that they're inter- they're arguing about the rules of the match because as a kid, like, I can't imagine how difficult it is to join now and, and understand the rules of a match. These guys are constantly talking about rules. And I think it's good. They're talking about why a pin shouldn't count. But what it does is it gives structure to the whole enterprise. The whole thing is like, oh, okay. Like imagine watching a football game and never hearing the announcers discuss what an offside is or or what if something's an offside or what a touchdown is or, you know, or not having the scoreboard. Like there's context that I feel – these guys are so good at giving um like there's there's things that guys can do in the ring and things the guys can't do and another lost art among the commentary that's like really uh, present in here is they're talking a lot about each team's winning strategies like how how like demolition's got to do x and um strike force has got to do y right in order to win and i feel that's so like that that gives so much more meat to the product than well, I was talking to Axe backstage today, and he said, and I quote, "Strike Force is going to die," you know, or, or something along those lines, uh, or what, like Rick Martel's doing in the back, or Tito's doing in the back. Like these are small details, but these are the details to me that that hooked me in, and to me that actually maintained a sense of kayfabe because they're treating it as legitimate, right? You're, you're, no one's saying, "Oh, Martell with a great sequence." You know, like that's not, those are not things you would say at a sporting event, but these, these little details add, I'm not saying it to kind of do anything negative to the current product, but it's really, I want to point out how much it enhances this product. These guys are in it. Now, Strikeforce and Demolition is such a cool, it's, it's the perfect uh, compatibility of styles, right? Cause the demos are big and with the clubbering and Strikeforce all speed and energy. A spot that I love really early in the match doesn't get enough play is smash gets uh martell in a bear hug but he gets him low like he's really got him in like the the lower part of the back and i think tito comes in to kind of break it up so um smash kind of takes like two steps back and axe just fucking wallops him with a clothesline like it 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 looks like death it's basically the heart attack but used as a transition move and watching the two guys in SM gear i didn't know it was snm gear as a kid kill the pretty boys has convinced me that there are very few men that will cheer strike force against these painted monsters because the crowd is like the crowd is not booing demolition at all. Like, and I mean at all, obviously Jesse has to work in a racist joke about Chico wanting to go back and start selling tacos. And look, maybe that's not, maybe, maybe that's a thing. Maybe people, maybe that people in that profession have like an incredible pride. I know if I put my heart and soul into a Quebec dish, like a poutine and i i made my life puts in poutine and i sold it and I, I i i churned the cheese and i did the gravy and it was all mine i served it and people loved it i'd be fucking proud of that too right and jesse could say oh look that frenchman even though i'm not french that frenchman making poutine that'd be fine i'd be okay with that but i don't know right tito back to tito not chico tito he's such a good seller i mean nothing's exaggerated like there's a point where he's on his knees and he gets kicked in the face and he crumples and it it looks completely legit, and I know this because I've seen countless children react that way to my kicks. So I've seen it. I've seen it in person. Um, demos too are doing all the the tag team cheating stuff, right? And they're good at it. But truth be told, at this point, it's the only thing keeping them uh, heel because they're just awesome in every other fucking way. So much so that Smash gets a two count and the crowd boos. <laughs> I was mad that they didn't win halfway through the match fucking morella someone should do something about that punk anyway um they come back in they're fighting back and forth axes when he when he slams, he was the best guy i think <laughs> is off the cuff but he was the best guy i think of making the sound with his feet to go with the punches like it sounds like a cannon's going off and that had to help their appeal like they're killing these guys right uh, but then out of nowhere, Santana hits the flying forearm, uh, Jesse States, of course, they dealer learned that in the MFL, the Mexican football league. And again, if you said I was in the CFL, I wouldn't be upset. Even though the CFL is a nine league team that at one point had two teams called the, uh, rough riders, you know, we make weird decisions. Uh, both guys are down hot tag to Rick Martell, incredible fire incredible skipping. He's great at skipping. Incredible clapping. He's got a lot. Like, he's clapping like he's at a Lionel Richie concert. It's like, yeah, yeah. And then the arms. I don't know why he does this arm thing. Like, whatever. He's fired up. Martel's in there like a second after the hot tag. He puts Smash in the uh, Boston Crab, and here we go. Because I know this is the finish. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, So he's in the Boston Crab, and Martel, you know, he's doing that thing like this with his teeth. Uh, They're going to win the match. And... Tito is really like, he really doesn't want Axe getting involved. So he flies across the ring with like Starman's jumping um, fists from pro wrestling on NES, crushes him with that. Uh, Then he comes back and hits him again. But then Tito decides, you know what? I'm just going to straight up strangle Mr. Fuji. So he starts strangling him. And uh, look, don't tell me it's not attempted murder. I'm watching this, I see what he's doing. His hands are around his throat. He's really trying to kill this man. Uh, And look what he does. He hits him so hard that the cane goes flying. Axe takes the cane. And Martel's got his back to Axe. And Axe brings the fucking cane down on the back of his... It's so violent. Like, you could... Like, it's... it's, If that was a blade, he'd be decapitated. Like, just... Like, right on the neck. So, Martel crumples down. I believe this is what they use as the uh, cover for his injury. Like, oh, they broke his neck. Of course they broke his neck. Look what they fucking did to the guy, right? Um... But it gets a pop when he hits him in the back of the neck. Martel's dead. Tito doesn't notice though, because he's killing the elderly Japanese man. Uh, like he's just really like, he's like pounding him, right? He's hitting him so hard that Morella tries to stop him and he shrugs Morella off. And I I I'm like at that point, I'm like, oh no, maybe disqualification. But Morella flies right beside a prone Martell, right? And I can't explain how determined Tito Santana is to kill Mr. Fuji. I mean, not since 1994 have I seen someone so intent to murder someone who's dressed up like a waiter, right? Tito is just so oblivious to everyone around him. He's taking Fuji's head. He's smashing it into the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, as we've come to learn. Um, But while he's murdering this man, smash, one arm on top. Morella, perfectly fine count. One, two, three. Demos win, huge pop. Like, I cannot understate that the pop was really big, right? Tito's all confused. Fuji's brain is, like, beyond repair. And the demos struggle to leave, but they're getting cheers. And this, the match, I don't know, three and a quarter, you know? Uh, it's I think it's good. It's fun. I think it might be the best match on the show. Uh, it's either this or the main event. Uh, but I'll leave that to whoever's talking next. Um, but this is the start of that run for demolition. They start as heels, and by the end of the year, they're on a main event level. I truly believe they're the first main event tag team. Um, I've heard someone once say the Bulldogs, but I just don't see it the same way. Um, I see. I, I just keep going back to that. I think it's Survivor Series '88 when they're on the team with Hogan, and they come out and their pop is louder than his. You know, that—that's the kind of thing that doesn't usually happen for anybody else. These guys were so over. They were so cool. Um, and it shouldn't have worked. It really shouldn't have worked because they're just these two plotting guys, they don't really do anything exciting. Like, and what I mean, like like the road warriors were plotting too, but then they had the doomsday device, which is a crazy exciting move. They had more explosive offense. Demolition's not like that, but they still got super over. And I think it's because we just like guys who beat the shit out of other guys, right? They they just beat the shit out of strike force, and I'm curious too. If the fact that uh, demolition is such a weird case, right? Because Axe and Smash, there's nothing really ultra interesting about either one of them individually, right? Not that they're bad. I I think they're fine. Like, I think they're good. I think they're actually both good. And I think Axe is actually quite underrated. But it's just two guys in face paint. And I wonder if their success gave the WWF the idea well, what could put any two guys? And this could happen because both of them, I mean, they had that charisma, but it's not like their charisma was like through the roof. You know, I think people just got enamored with the act and the act was cool and they were different. Like they were really fighters. They would pound you down. There was like, there were headlocks and shit like that too, but they just wanted to pound you with their feet stomping on the ground, like cannons. And to this day, they're probably still my Favorite tag team. They're not my tag team champions. That's Strike Force. But Demolition might be my favorite. Throughout my childhood, all the memories were crazy with them. Like, you know, all the way up to them winning that title at WrestleMania 6. It became this super special thing. But it starts here with the great team of Strike Force putting them over strong, the incredible team of Gorilla and Jesse uh, putting them over like crazy on commentary, giving everything context, and Axe and Smash just delivering despite the fact that their manager has been murdered.
15: Hey there, everyone. It is the Down Under Thunder, and we have arrived. We have arrived. We have finally come to the end of WrestleMania 4 It's been a long event, not quite as long a podcast, a Cronoso, but it's been long and weary, but we've made it. And it's my honor, my privilege to bring to you the main event, the final match in the tournament to crown the new WWF heavyweight. Champion of the world. And what a match it's going to be. Two men have got their way through this grueling tournament. We've heard their journey to this match. I'm not going to go over it again. But we're there. The million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And the macho man, Randy savage. But before we get to the main event, we've of course got to address our special guests, our WrestleMania guests. It wouldn't be WrestleMania without our WrestleMania celebrity guests. And I'm sure you're all excited to know that we've been seeing them all bloody night. It's a real shame. We've got they make such an event every year. WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3. All the celebrities, All they pull them all out left and right. They're everywhere. And for WrestleMania 4, we've got the same two people being trotted out all damn night. Your special guest ring announcer is Bob Yuka. He's been on commentary half the damn night. He's been conducting interviews. He's our guest ring announcer. He comes down. To take me out to the ballpark. Well, yeah, that's what happens. And he introduces our other special guest, our guest timekeeper, Vanna White, who's been helping all night on the tournament board. Je- Jesse actually asked, you know, being the host of Wheel of Fortune, we know she knows her alphabet, but can she count to ten? Jesse always gets his room, and of course, Donald Trump's got to get himself in the picture, doesn't he? He welcomes both of them and he gets a kiss from Vanna. Vanna then gives a kiss to Bob and he's all excited about it. Vanna's kissing everyone. Why didn't she go and kiss Jesse? Hell, I'm waiting for her to still come and kiss me. It's not hard. Just get on a plane, Vanna. Come on down under. Give me a kiss. Well, my wife might, be too, might not be too keen on that. Yuka reads his intros as we bring out our main event. And DBRC is out first with Andre. Jesse, now it's really noticeable. Virgil doesn't come out. Jesse says, Virgil obviously injured at the hands of Hogan. Well, you know, they had to play up something, didn't they? Virgil, he took a suplex, but, you know, it's enough to put him out. Virgil's not there. Savage comes out. And again, fourth costume change of the night for Liz. Matching jacket and headband by Randy. Liz looks amazing. And Jesse and Gorilla start to ask, who would you rather take, Liz or Vanna White? And Gorilla picks Liz. Jesse says he'd rather have Vanna White because he doesn't really, you'd have to fight the macho man for Liz. You know what? He's he's right. You'd have to fight much. But when I looked at them, look, Vanna White, very conservative in her outfit. Liz was stunning for the main event. I'd, I'd take Liz in the main event, um, but I don't want to fight much. I mean, I agree with Jesse. Jesse always, always, he tells it like it is. And he's always, his logic is impeccable. So our main event's ready to go. And yeah, you know, we start off with a little bit of, you know, back and forth. DBRC backs uh, Savage into the corner savage hits an elbow to get his way out but andre trips savage and uh yeah savage does the point he points out at andre and the ref starts talking to him and and the crowd immediately start chanting for hogan now this audience the 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 talk is we're at trump plaza and this audience a lot of you know, a lot of high rollers and people who got comp tickets and did they really make a lot of money here? And were these real fans? <sighs> these fans were more intuitive than some ECW arena fans because they would they knew where this match was going and they start chanting for Hogan immediately. Savage and Dbrc lock up again. We get a real great exchange. They're, they're trading moves back and forth, duck unders, and 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 trading holds. And Andre trips Savage again, and Savage points again, and and we can see where this is going. Um, you know, Savage and Dbrc the first few minutes of this match is is a frantic pace, fast pace, quick moves. It is a real outstanding match to watch. It's really enjoyable. Um, but again, um, you know the the big issue is is Andre. So we get some uh, we get some trading of the arm work. Savage gets rammed into the corner. DBRC lands in a couple of chops and an elbow to the back of the head. He then drops Savage with a clothesline for a two count. And not, It's a good good little series there. And then um, we come off the ropes. We get a sunset flip by Debiasi, but this time Savage hits the punt. Punch to stop to break it up, and then Savage drops DBRC with one of those amazing quick savage clothesline. They're always awesome. Another two count, and this time dbrc has a bit of a regroup, gets over there, has a quick chat to Andre. DBRC starts working over Savage again, and the match really slows down. So we had this really frantic first couple of minutes, and it slows down a little bit. And Jesse suggests that Macho is struggling with the pace because of having wrestled three matches already. you know, look, if that's the story, they tell it well. We started off quick, but now Macho is starting to get tired and you know it, it comes down. But you know, but Savage then immediately hits an elbow and 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 does his top rope clothesline and and um, uh, it's it's great. He picks up the speed. He knees DiBiase in the back. DiBiase flies out of the ring to the floor, and Savage goes up to the top rope to drop the double axe handle. We've seen it so many times in so many matches. But on this occasion, Andre stands in front of DiBiase. It's great storytelling. The big obstacle is Andre the Giant. Savage can't get around him. He's being tripped. He's blocking it. He can't get around him. And and so Savage jumps down off the ropes, goes over and talks to Liz. And Liz runs to the back. And again, we hear in the background from the crowd a little chant brewing. Jesse and Gorilla talk about having seen seen Liz run off before. Jesse said, I've seen her do this before, Gorilla. And um and gorilla says, so have I, Jesse. So have I. Um, and, and they start to wonder whether she'll even get whether whether it'll be worth leaving, because she by the time she gets back, it may be too late because DBRC quickly starts working over Savage again, locks him in a chin lock. And again, we slow down the match because the crowd starts chanting for Hogan. And almost immediately, the crowd erupts. The chant turns into a cheers as Hogan appears, coming down to ringside with Liz. Jesse says, this will even things up. It's really interesting. Jesse actually playing it down the middle a little bit. I mean, he's he's pro-Hill. He's pro-Dibiase. But he's always been a fan of Savage. And he notes this is going to even things up. Hogan grabs a chair and sits at ringside, and DiBiase isn't D- happy. He's pointing, he's, he's complaining to the ref. And that, you know, back to work, he, he goes back to work and, and gets Savage into the corner, and Andre pulls Savage out of the ring. And while the referee is chastising DiBiase, um, Andre lays a shot in, and Hogan comes flying around the ring and attacks Andre, breaking it up. Um, DBRC goes back to work on Savage, he clotheslines, elbows, he, nice suplex, um, for a two count. Then we get that beautiful DBRC gut wrench suplex for another two count. DBRC is really working him. Savage goes, he, DBRC goes for the slam and he, he goes up to the top rope a la Ric Flair. And just like Ric Flair, He gets caught. Savage catches him on the top and off he comes down to the mat. Now, the story of just about every Savage match in this tournament has been Savage gets beaten to a pulp. Basically, a slight opening is is created and he races to the top rope, drops the elbow, wins the match. That's been the story of every match we've seen in this in this event so far, and it happens here again. DBRC's is down the match. Savage goes to the top rope for the elbow. The story is consistent, but on this occasion, DBRC rolls out of the way. And Jesse and Gorilla note this is probably it. Savage has missed the opportunity. DBRC locks in the million dollar dream, and we seem destined for a new world champion. But for some reason, yeah, you know, obviously Savage is trying to reach the rope and for some reason the ref starts talking, telling off Andre. Now Savage hadn't really got to the ropes; It's not like Andre had interfered, but we needed a distraction. The ref is distracted by Andre for whatever reason and this opens the door for Hogan to jump in the ring and drop DBRC with the chair. One big chair in the back, across the back, and DBRC is out. Out cold. He's unconscious. And Savage sees the opportunity. He goes to the top rope. He drops the elbow for the three count. And we have a new world champion. This story, this story of the macho men that started Back before Survivor Series, and in Crunoso we've been watching and following this story since late '87. Turning face, coming and backing up Liz, and, and and protecting her. The matches against Honky Tonk, the match against DBRC at the last um, at the at the last Saturday Night's main event. This story that's been building and growing. And Savage reaches the pinnacle. The mega powers have achieved success for Savage and we have a new world champion. You know, there's been a lot said over the years about whether or not Ted DiBiase should have won this tournament. And, you know, the talk that maybe he was slated to win the tournament, but because the honky-tonk man refused to drop the belt to Savage at the main event, that Savage was promised the victory instead. Now, I recently listened to um, a podcast, Ted DiBiase podcast, where he says no one ever promised him the the, the title. And in fact, he knew well before the tournament that he wouldn't be winning because... Uh, apparently, Pat Patterson had a conversation with him about, you get this far, you've done all this stuff, and what if you don't win? And DBRC said he thought that would be brilliant. And you, Patterson, you don't win and you end up going and buying, getting your own title. And DBRC thought that storyline was a better payoff. And that's the storyline we get. But if you look at the context of, of the story, Hogan interfering and dropping Savage. When I was younger, I thought, why would he do that, Hogan? That's a heel move. And it doesn't seem right. It always felt like it was about Hogan stealing the spotlight. I always thought it was Hogan in the, trying to take the spotlight. But something dawned on me watching it this time. And, and, and it's this story we've been seeing, this million-dollar man story. He, he, he's basically, he went after Hogan's title. He tried to buy it. He couldn't get it. He got Andre he 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 got the twin referee they 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 stole the belt from hogan stole it from him took it away and here's DiBiase at the brink of success and hogan runs in and costs him the belt it's the ultimate payback it's not the spotlight it's not about being in the spotlight it is payback it is revenge for what DBRC did to Hogan. We might not get the revenge match but we got the revenge moment and Hogan costs DBRC the belt and Savage is our new world champion. Hogan races around ringside, grabs the belt, gives it to Savage and you now Hogan and uh, Andre and DBRC live it on the floor and Hogan's keeping him away with a chair as Savage is celebrating, arms raised and Liz is nearly crying and Jesse can't believe what Hogan did. That's not like Hogan. But as I just said, I think it's the ultimate revenge and that's what it was about. And then Hogan and Savage do the shake, the handshake and the hug. And then another handshake. And then Savage points to Liz and then he handshakes Hogan again. And then Hogan whispers something in his ear and then Savage gives Liz the belt and lifts her up on the shoulder and we get that momentous moment. That moment that lives through history. Elizabeth on on Savage's shoulders, belt over her arm, basking in the glory of the victory. The mega powers have been born and Liz is at the center, getting the adoration that she deserves because she's the one that brought Savage to the top. Really, her popularity leaked onto Savage as he backed her and protected her after all those years of abuse she now gets the honor of having brought him to this point and then again then it starts to get awkward because then Hogan starts mugging to the crowd and mugging to the camera and pointing and and at savage and 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 it's after that point, it's when when the focus and spotlight should be on Liz and Savage, that's when Hogan starts to overstep the line. This is when Hogan should have left the ring and honoured them and walked away. But no, he's got to be in there pointing and glaring and getting in the camera and pointing at Savage, and he's the man. We get another handshake. Four, five handshakes. How often do they need the bloody handshake? Yeah. You know, it just it just hit the mark. This moment was Savage's moment. Savage and Liz should have had the glory and they deserved it. And the tournament has ended. WrestleMania 4 ends with Savage and the glorious, glorious victory. What a journey it's been. And it's only just beginning because now he's won the belt. He has to hold on to it. And he's got DBRC gunning for him. And he's got... Andre gunning for him, and he's got other people who are in the tournament gunning for him, including someone like, like he beat one-man gang by DQ. You know, There's a bunch of stuff going on, so where is this going to go? I can't wait to see, but Savage is the man. The tournament has ended. Savage and Liz stand tall. The glory surrounds them, and DBRC has had the rug pulled from under him. By the man he tried to cheat, by the man he tried to steal from, by the man he cost the belt, he himself had the belt cost. And DBRC walks away with nothing. In the end, not even Andre, because he sells Andre back to to Heenan, but Savage has the glory. He has the woman, he has the belt, and he has the fans. And on this night, it could be argued, Savage may just be a little more popular than Hogan for this one night. Well, that's it. WrestleMania 4, done and dusted. Thank you for being on this journey with all of us at Cronoso. We can't wait to see you again next time. We'll catch you later.
2: All right, everyone. That was a long episode, but it was a great one. I think, again, thank you to the twenty contributors. You guys were excellent. Coming up on episode nine, we have superstars. We have matches from MSG. We have matches from Spectrum. We have matches from Maple Leaf Garden. We have Saturday Night's main event, of course. We've sprinkled and packed in a few months of highlights from the WWE uh, landscape into one episode. In between the pay per views, so we're gonna try that out and see how it goes. All right, guys, that's it for now. Pick us up.